Blog Talk Radio. Join us as we travel into the inner workings of John Cheney's mind. Beyond midcourt is another dimension, a dimension of pressure, a dimension of coverage, a dimension of mind. You're moving into a land, two slow-footed white guys, incapable of playing man-to-man, of help-side defense and active hand. You've just crossed half-court into the matchup zone. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. You are now in the matchup zone, ushering in the new age of radio every Monday night, right here in the Phone Pack Studio. I am your host, Kevin Owens, joined as always by Michael Gould. Mike, great show we got lined up tonight. The Ode to Overseas Basketball. We've been talking about doing this for a while. Uh, we were reached out, got a lot of guys who uh, said they're going to call in tonight, talk a little overseas basketball. So I think uh, it should be a should be a fun show, huh? Yeah, it should be really fun. I know a lot of guys are calling in and. Uh... You know, not a lot of people know a lot about overseas basketball, mm-hmm. including maybe us. But <laughs> we're sure to get a uh, a quick uh, a quick class tonight with the, with a group of people we have calling in. Yeah, it's funny, Kev. I always talk to a lot of guys, just you know, basketball players at the gym or whatever, and they always go, "Yeah, this one guy comes up to me and he goes, hey, listen,' because uh, he kind of knows I train some players stuff like that, and he goes." Hey, I'm thinking about going over and playing overseas. I said, Oh, well, where did you play high school? He goes, Well, I went to Pensacola, but I didn't play. And I think people just think yeah. like, I think people just think like, it's oh, that I, easy. I'm just gonna go overseas and play. Like, I, you know, I, I, I can't play in the NBA, but I'm just gonna go overseas. Well, that's the, it's so funny because that is the cons- consensus belief among people. And uh, you have to, you have to understand to play overseas, to be an American playing overseas, they only take two on each team. Yeah. So, you, the NBA has how many, how many people on their team? There's 12 men rosters, I guess. So 12, 12. times thir- 12 times 30 or 32, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So you think if you're playing overseas, you're probably one of the top 1,000, 500 to 1,000 players in the world. Yeah, but there's a ton of teams though, right? Like there are. But if, like, you, if you're playing in a place where you're you're actually making good money, yeah. you're one of the top players in the world. Oh, you're yeah. one of the. So that's what they don't understand. Uh, how difficult it is and how good everyone is. I mean, mm-hmm. I was when I was playing you there was a lot of big time names that you yeah. would see and it would suddenly be like this guy and this guy and this guy and you're just like, "Oh, that's now, what, now, that's where he is." Now the places that you, the, the countries that you make a lot of money are, are uh-huh. like they're like your Germany's, Greece, Italy, Italy Greece, Spain, Spain. Yeah, I mean th- those those know, and uh then yeah, those Argentina, are the top, like, top places, 3 like, I would think. Yeah. And uh But like even like remember Lamar Lithuania. Lithuania and even like Lamar Greer who was who played at Middle Township when I was in high school in ninety four, he he plays in uh I wanna say like Poland or Russia or I don't uh-huh. know if he does anymore. Russia Russia, yeah. Russia sorry, Russia's probably yeah. the top, yeah. I think. Because he was making close to, he was making close to a million dollars a year. Well the Trajan Langdon didn't want to leave to go to the NBA because he was making so much overseas. He was in Russia and Obviously, it's closer to Alaska, his home. Yeah. And he was making about a few mil a year, and he would have gone to the NBA, gone maybe the made NBA. the league minimum. I mean, exactly. he, he wasn't very good. Yeah. So I mean, very good in terms yeah, of the exactly. NBA, in terms of the NBA. 
So it, it's a it's an interesting thing. So uh, you know, we have a lot of guys calling in to to share some of their stories. Uh, and there's a lot of funny ones. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a, there's a lot of things that happen overseas that people don't understand, and they don't really they don't really know too much about. And I mean, the language the language barrier. Yeah. I, I've had a lot of different stories with language barriers, and uh, just just it's a different culture. It's I mean, a different you're culture. You're 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 thrown in. And here's the thing that's you know you don't want to complain about playing overseas because guys it's their dream. Some guys dream about, about playing professional basketball, which... Right, what, you're still making money playing... Exactly. You're not in the NBA, but you're still making money playing basketball. Correct. But there's, there's you know, some crazy things that happen. And some... some I mean, the one downfall, it's... The, the, when I would get called to play, it was probably within less than a week before yeah, I, was, I, was, to I had to go. And I was just I was swooped away and taken away, and there, there it is. I mean, it, that was that was kind of tough to get used to, especially when you're, when you're you know, you have your, you have your family, you're married. Mm-hmm. And that was tough. I got married uh, on August 4, 2007. The following week, I got a call that I was leaving, leaving her, leaving everything to go to Korea. And it was just, it was just so well, instantaneous. It's a nice honeymoon for you. It was a nice honeymoon for me. Unfortunately, she could. They almost banned. This is why I'm going to talk a little more about Korea and give a little exposure on some of the nonsense that goes on over there. But uh, when I was in Korea, they didn't want my wife to be there. They thought she would be a distraction. I was like, dude, I just got married. You're you, that's crazy. You don't want. You, I my wife can't fly over. I'm flying her over. I'm paying for her to fly over. I, she can't stay here. Right. She, they wouldn't let her in the dorm. So we had an apartment off the outside of the dorm, but we weren't allowed to leave. We didn't have cars. So it was, I couldn't see her. I saw her probably for a few hours a day when I would get back after the night practice. It was it was a joke. They, it's just all about that was the one situation where they really put you in a position where it was uncomfortable, and that's I didn't like that. Yeah, I have to I have to believe though a lot of Americans that go overseas, it's just a lot of things that you're not used to. The, you know, you're you're you grow up in a culture your whole life, and you're you get used to doing things a certain way. You get kind of stuck in your routines. All of a sudden. You don't know how to speak the language. You don't know anything about the food you're eating. Um, you don't know where to go for entertainment, any, anything. So it's a, it's a whole different lifestyle that that a lot of guys have to get used to. But like you said, you don't want, you don't want to complain about it because you're still making money playing basketball. Exactly. Um, you know, even though you're, not, I mean, but, you know, all these guys playing overseas, their dreams are to play in the NBA. Uh huh. And the reality of it is. There's not. I mean, what is it? One in a million, maybe. I mean, playing the NBA. So there, there's not that many players. I mean, I don't know. My math. I'm not very good at math. But what's what's uh, twelve times thirty? I mean, three hundred and twenty-four. Three hundred twenty-four people. Sure. I mean, you know, so three hundred twenty-four people are in. Guys are in the NBA. And think about how many people every year set out play high school, college, that, that have aspirations to play in the NBA. It just do, doesn't happen for most people. So the next step is try to play overseas, and if you're good enough to play overseas and get an agent, and, and that's a lot, and that's another thing. You still have to get an agent. You still have to do all the things that you would have to do as an NBA player. It's just on a lesser scale. Exactly. It's, uh, it is. It's a culture shock, and I think, you know, and you look at the guys who are playing overseas, and here's what what my thing was with the NBA is that, they're doing a good job with the D League to kind of pump it up and make it a better system. But right now, the best players in the world don't play in the NBA. 
And it's the fact of it's a fact because well, no, no, the best players, the from top to bottom, the best players don't play in the NBA. From their first eight, seven or eight guys on the team, yes, they're the best players. After that, it's a crapshoot between you. Look at the look at guys who are second round picks out of college. Look at these young guys that they're grooming to be good. They're sitting on an end on the end of an NBA bench. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, a guy who is twenty nine in his prime and should have made an NBA team if that rookie wasn't there, is playing overseas. Like, that that guy currently is yeah. better than the other guy. But the D-League is not set up right now, so there's not a roster spot open for that guy. That's what I'm saying. The best play if you want to see top to bottom the best players in the NBA, I think it would, it would expand because at practice you're, it's a little tougher. You're not I, going against an 18-year-old yeah. kid. I like watching I like watching the Olympics and, and, and international basketball. It's just fun. Those guys... They're so fundamentally sound. I saw this show one. I saw this show on HBO one time that it was kind of a documentary on. Um, I forget what country it was, but they had a basketball school, and these kids, actually not kids, but you know, eighteen, nineteen, twenty-year-old guys, they actually went to school and played. Ba- it was a basketball school. Like you would go to school to learn. It was uh-huh. a basketball school, and for the first hour, the coach said, "Listen, we're not going to touch a ball. They're doing like, or or they're not going to dribble the ball. They're doing juggling drills, and they're doing." different drills up and down the court without shooting. Could you imagine going to a practice with with 24 Americans and going, we're not going to touch a ball today, guys. Yeah. Like, this is a joke. Get out of here. But then you look at their footwork. You look exactly. at the way they can pass the ball. You look at different angles. Like, look at Manu Ginobili, how he can kind of navigate his way through the lane at different angles. And uh-huh. they, I feel like they're just smarter players. They're, I mean, far better shooters than Americans. Yeah. That's for sure. Overseas. Well, you say – that's a funny, funny that you say that because uh, – when you practice over there, that it's true. A lot of times, it's just you're you're going, you're doing all these footwork drills and things like that. But it's 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 almost frustrating as an American because you're so used to you want to be on the court, you want to play in games. Like for, it's Iverson said it. That's the American attitude. Pra- guys don't want to practice. They don't want to practice as much. They want to go and they want to play and playing games and scrimmage at practice and things like that. But there there's all these footwork drills and it frustrates a lot of Americans because. They're like, what am I do? Why am I doing this? I go out and score thirty. What do I need? My- Why does my footwork need to be like that? Right. But if you look at if you look at Europeans and overseas players, especially like you watch the Olympics, what's the glaring difference between Americans and Europeans? The, is a couple of things that I see. Do I'm going to say it. Well, a couple of things I see. One is the shooting. Two is the footwork. Three is the the team concept. Um, the ball movement. I feel like the the United States is a little more built on the highlight and the ESPN dunks and things like that. Where overseas, these guys are they don't mind making an extra pass. They don't mind shooting a fifteen foot pull up jump shot. Uh, they're very good at getting to the basket, little floaters. Um, just just different things you don't see in 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 the states is um, is the things that the Europeans can do, and it's really refreshing and, and nice to watch and fun to watch. No, don't get me wrong. I still root for the United States, obviously, with Olympics, but yeah. I, I do like the way those guys play. And you look at them, you're like, man, we have all we're, we're so athletic, and we can jump and things like this. Well, meanwhile, we're up four, and they hit a three. They're down one. You know, it's just yeah. they're always in the game because they shoot so well and they move the ball. And I feel like their big guys are a lot more skilled than our big guys. They are a lot more skilled. Well, that's because they. I feel like there, there's more studying of the game going on over there. I think you know it's it's catching up in a, in the United States, but 
the the whole we talked about the American players. It's you you survive on athleticism. There's so much athleticism. A guy like LeBron probably goes through life as a, as a younger player saying, "What do I need to? Why am I? Why do I need to do this? Why do I need to do this? Like I'm I can jump over a guy and dunk. Like what do I need to do all this nonsense for? And as he gets older, he's learning that he needs to to put in that extra time. But it's true. That's the difference in uh in it's it's athleticism versus a, a lot of European guys are a lot of unathletic guys. Yeah. So they're they're going through and they're saying we have to do this. We have to do the fundamentals well. Americans don't focus on the fundamentals as much anymore. No, we don't because we're so athletic. We figure our athleticism can get us by. I was watching. Kev, do you ever watch the NBA that NBA tent channel TV or whatever? Yeah. You ever watch that? I'm watching it the other day, and the 1986 NBA All Star Game's on. Kev, it looked like a different sport. Really? It looked like it kind of looked like more of a a European side. I mean, there were the guys could shoot. There wasn't as much dunking and high flying getting to the rim. And then I was watching the 1980 game four, this uh, 83 game four, the Sixers uh, Lakers, and it's just when's the last time you've seen this happen in an NBA game? The Lakers score, okay. The Sixers inbound the ball. They make two passes ahead, and the guys dunking it at the other end off of a made basket. Like, they just kept pushing the ball. Yeah. Now you're just walking the ball up to all these intricate offenses. And the scores back then were in the 125, 130s every game. Yeah. couple reasons. One, they shot the ball much better. Mm-hmm. They threw the ball ahead. And the defenses were horrible. Yeah, that's Horrible. Right. They were getting wide open 17-footers in transition. The defense just wasn't very good. Again, the show brought to you tonight by Phone Pack, supplier of all Graco products. Just a phone call away, 888-458-2928. I said that again even though I haven't actually said it yet. Also, by Integrated Play, go see Renee Shaw if you're an athlete transitioning into a career. 269-760-3857. Call-in number tonight, 347-215-8126. If you want to talk a little overseas basketball or hit us up on Twitter at the match underscore up zone. Uh, we'll answer your questions as the show goes on. We have our crack team of interns back. Uh, Zach and Adam are here uh, ready to... Uh, Handle your business. Anything you want to – so, Mike, hold on real quick because I, I want to talk about this real quick because I know we're talking overseas basketball. But let's – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the interns their opinion because I told them I want – you know, I, want, I'm, I value their opinion. Sure. Tim Tebow, released. Your thoughts. Zach, up first. Um, I've always been a Tebow guy. I don't want him on my team, <laughs> but I want him to succeed somewhere else. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that doesn't make sense. If you don't want him on your team, you mean he, he, well, because he's not very good. Okay. Well, then why do you want him to succeed somewhere because else? Because I feel bad for him. I he don't stinks. Think, you don't think he deserves a third string job in the NFL? No. Not as, an, not as a quarterback. The dude won eight I games and an, and a huge playoff game. I can't name any other third string quarterback going to win you eight games. Then why is he getting released by all these teams? I don't know. Because he well, can't first throw Patriots, the ball. First of all, if the Patriots, Patriots keep two quarterbacks, yes, if they kept three quarterbacks, he would have made it. He and he might get picked up by someone to be a third. He can't throw the ball. Adam, what are your thoughts? <laughs> a man of few words. Uh, I'll put it this way. I got the new Madden. The first team I played with was the Patriots. I took Tom Brady right out and <laughs> played with Tebow. Did the, did the, in, in Madden, is there a smart chip or something that when you do something like that, the crowd goes 
nuts and starts booing? No, but I won. <laughs> so I beat Abe Brown. Is, is that new Madden? That, that, is that at Madden 25 or something? 25. It's good stuff. Is it, wait, is that the 25th year of Madden? 24th year of Madden. Wow. Oh, my God. Already? The first Madden I ever had, I think, was 01. I was like six. So when did Madden start? My math is when the Madden started. The, 25 years ago. 80, I'm 88? 33. 88, yeah. And it was, I think it was what? I keep saying my math's not very good and I'm running all these numbers off. Yeah. Your math is very good. It really is. But I think I just say that to preface it just, to, just in, case in case I get you it wrong. Up. You yeah. want to talk about poor math? I've taken three math classes in my three years in high school. My final, my final <laughs> exam scores, 52, a 42, and a 37 percent. Yeah, but you, 37. Yeah, but did they get doubled or no? What final exams? That, that's your. That's your. Well, that's not what I finished so, with. That's what I failed. That's what I got on my final test. Yeah, but don't the final exams account for like a big portion? Like one ninth of, of your final grade. Oh, really? When I was in high school, the finals, the finals yeah, counted for like fifty percent of your grade. Kids no, can definitely not that much. There's kids that can show up and not have to take a final. They're like, yeah. what was? What is even the point? I'm already got an A, or I've got an A. Like, what's yeah, but the if you have an A and you get a zero, what does that bring there you There was down? one kid in my class who averaged such a high, or I don't know if it was such a high, but it was like a good A throughout the year that that uh, if he got a zero on the final, he still got an A, but he had to take it because he's not a senior. Interesting. Wow. So well, I, you have to take it, so can you just like you can, show up, you write can, your name, and just yeah, turn the paper over and I'm done? Pretty much. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Good stuff. All right. Tim Tebow released. Tim Tebow release. So my whole thing was a lot of people don't like Tebow just because, just because. Like, they don't like him because the whole religious thing. It's like, I just feel like you're hating him for all the wrong reasons. Like, people hate Tim Tebow. He's a nice guy. He's done nothing wrong. He tries his butt off. He's a very good college player. And Great he, college player. And he tr- really tried, to, he tried his hardest to make the NFL. And people hate him. No, I don't hate him. I just I look at the reality. The guy can't look may, tight end, maybe fullback, mm-hmm. anything else but quarterback. He can't throw the ball. Yeah, he cannot throw the ball. He throw. I always when I look at quarterbacks, I always look at like that ten fifteen yard out, and if they have a lot, like that's kind of the throw to me that will signify if a guy can play quarterback or not. Yeah, sometimes like sometimes some guys like Tim Tebow just floats that fifteen yard out, can't play. But then you get a guy like Russell Wilson throws a 15 yard out. It's a bullet or Joe Flacco. Like that 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 little out that little out throw is huge in the NFL because so many guys corners love to jump that that little out. They jump it and they take it to the house. And Tim Tebow can't throw the. I don't hate Tim Tebow. Great college quarterback. He's kind of like Johnny Manziel. Gonna be a great college quarterback and nothing in the NFL. Johnny Manziel's gonna be. Yeah, I mean, what's he? Five eight, yeah. five nine. I mean, he's gonna be. He, uh, Drew Brees is only five nine. Yeah, but Drew Drew Brees is also a freak. No one said that coming out of college. Oh, yes, they did. He he was he, he even a first round pick. Yeah, uh, I don't know. He look it up. Uh, you look it up. He lit I don't it, have a computer. He lit it up at Purdue though. Well, yeah, Purdue. I mean, Purdue's a Big Ten school, but that's not yeah. not Ohio State. All right. I mean, I don't know. I just think Johnny Man Johnny Manziel just Kev. Do you think Johnny Manziel? He's a punk. I'll give you that. Yeah, but do you think he's a punk? And doesn't care, or he doesn't. Do you think he's a punk and just goes, "I don't care, I'm a punk"? Or do you think he not he doesn't know he's a punk? I don't think I don't. I just think he doesn't care. I don't think he cares, and I don't think he's as. I think he's he's obviously does stupid things, but it's nothing's unwarranted. It's not like he's running around doing everything 
the autograph thing, I was watching the game and they show and they're just like, oh, he was doing it without instigating. The guy on the on the rice was going up and just going like this, asking, and he's like, no, I'm not going to sign your autograph. It's like. But he's the he's the he's the jerk, and I understand you're, the person who comes second will be will be the jerk. But I just don't believe. It. I think it's I think I think you know he's he's a young player. He's got he won the Heisman. He's got a lot of right. But who's the last Heisman quarterback to really? Be, I mean, who's the last Heisman quarterback to who? Did RG three win the Heisman? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, before, other than RG three, I mean, bro, you go back to the last ten Heisman winners. I mean, guys like. Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, there's you can just start rattling. Right there's so many guys who won the Heisman who are just stiffs. Um, That's true. So anyway, getting back, to, uh, getting back. You know, we wanted to throw a little football in there just because it's a big story. Tebow gets cut. Uh, you know, it's it's sad. I'm a little bummed, but what can you do? U.S. Open start and all that fun stuff. Well, Kev, when when did he get cut? Uh, yesterday. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, sad stuff. So. uh yeah, you know, talking talking overseas basketball, uh, it is. It's it's nothing's nothing. It's not the dream always as it as it seems to be, and that's that's like the main thing. I know Paul Shirley. Uh, we had him on the show, and when we talked to him, and he's he's inter- done interviews before. He said, you know, a lot of people say talk like uh, talk like I'm I'm a negative person, like I'm bashing basketball, like I'm bashing my opportunities. He's like, I'm not. I'm just trying to tell these stories because. Not everyone knows what it's like, and that's what I I completely believe. I and mean, it's funny because people started accusing me of doing the same thing when I wrote and saying, "Are you just hating on on basketball because like, you never play in the NBA?" Yeah, it's like you're you're just a hater, and that's and that's kind of ridiculous. So I was like, "Listen, I'm just telling a story. I'm telling a story that's very that's just crazy. I mean, things that happen are crazy. So that's what I pretty much told tell everyone. I mean, I'm I'm Listen, I flew in. I flew into Kosovo. I played in Kosovo, and it's a province, or it's, it's now its own country. But it, it was part of Serbia, and during that whole during that whole war in, in in Serbia, Croatia, all that, it was a huge thing. Bill Clinton sent people over to protect Kosovo. Now they have their own independence. Now they're considered a country, although I don't think everyone considers them a country yet. If you look at Google Maps, it will be it's a uh, it's not a it's not a full on uh, border. It's a it's a cross star little what it hashes to border. So you know, but anyway, I get off the plane and I fly in. You, you know, you're excited. You're planning a new place, and we pull off pull out of the airport, and it was onto a dirt road, like the main airport in the capital of the city, and we were on a dirt road. Suddenly, it was just like I was like, where am I? You pull in, you see the still the the destruction from the war. I mean, craters in the earth, buildings had, never repaired from the war with with looks like bullet holes and, and half of it dilapidated and falling down. It's just it's a crazy thing. And then you you're there and it's 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 fun and you're it's, basketball's the, the funny though because no matter where you are, basketball's the same. And that's the cool thing about it is you, you're in these places and you're like, where the hell am I? Like, what am I doing here? What, what you're, you go home when you walk out of the gym. Then once you get to crazy. the once you get to the court, exactly, it's basketball, yeah, everything's the same. which is what is what is so intriguing about it because basketball is always going to be basketball. It's and they might practice different, they might do things different, but when you're on the court, it's it's the same thing, which right. is I thought was just so much fun. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. I mean, I can't speak to a lot of the stuff that you are. Obviously, I never played overseas, but. 
I've heard the stories. I'm, you know, I know a lot of guys who did play overseas, and you hear the stories. You hear the horror stories, a lot of guys coming home saying, like, they just leave and say, listen, I I didn't like it. I got screwed. Um, you know, I have to imagine, too, like, um, they kind of they kind of they try to screw you with the contracts and stuff like that, especially the Americans. Um, talking to Charnay Zoll, who plays over in Poland, mm-hmm. she said they uh, they try to like screw her all the time, and you know she has her agent trying to fight for her. Uh-huh. Um, so it's it, it's definitely interesting. But like I said, we'll get some of these guys' opinions, um, you know, some stories from them when when they start calling in soon. Well, it's funny, uh, you know, there's so many contract disputes, uh, things like that. I, the the one thing your agent always tells you, and it seems like an easy thing, but it's not. They tell you you can't leave until you get your money, but it's never it's never that easy because you have guys that will be like, oh, you know, we'll send it, we'll send it. Don't worry, we're good for it. We're it's it's being processed, it's being sent over. I'm currently right now I am owed a hundred and fifteen thousand dollars that I'm never going to get. Right. Like, I mean, that's just crazy to say it, but that's 115,000. I will never ever see it. Can't can't you can't can't you have a lawsuit or you can you can start you can I've start the process. I've done the process. Yeah. I've gone through. They say there's not enough evidence because what it's your word against them. Mm-hmm. So what can you do? You can look at your bank account, but I was I, I was, look at your bank account and go, I'm 115,000 dollars short. Exactly. <laughs> what's 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 happening right now? <laughs> so it's uh. It's pretty interesting to uh, to to have that, and I mean, the Estonia. I was in Estonia. They're saying the same thing. They're like, "Listen, the money will be there. Get on the flight. You 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 three are on the flight. The money will be there. You will t- it's taken care of. It's being transferred. It's just you can't see it in your account yet. So I leave, get back home, nothing. And, and you still can't see it in your account. And I still can't see it. And I call them, and they, it's just all the same same yeah. nonsense. Like, oh, we're working on it. We're working on it. I talked to the my agent, and you know you go through an agent here, mm-hmm. but then he goes through an agent over there, and it's like there's just too many lines of communication and things like that that uh, that can that can be misdirected and things like that. So it's pretty funny how how everything works, and uh, yeah. Well, you know, uh, I did I do hear the horror stories with especially with the money, like you're saying. Um, and it's tough. I mean, you go over there and play. Now, what's the now? Do you get paid every two weeks over there? I mean, what's the? Uh, yeah, you get. Or, is it, is it, or no, no, it's mainly. Or like, is it a lump sum? Or uh, you know, how how do you? I think you get. It was a. It was a once a month. I once would get a month. paid. Okay. So you would. That's and that's pretty much how they advertise it. It would be like this much per month. Gotcha. So you'd add it up. So that's like the that's the kicker when you're when you're over there. You know, you're waiting for this money. You're waiting for this money, and it just never, it just never ends up, never ends up coming. Never and your account. they tell you to just go home, and it will, it will, it will be there, and it, it never is. So, 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 what's the, what's the, uh, then, 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 why would you ever go? Why would you ever want to go back? You know, like, well, what, you know, why do you go back if you know you're going to get through just to keep playing? I mean, you, yeah, you keep playing. You play in different teams, so there's a lot of different places to go. So you okay. you say like, oh, okay, I got a I got a bad one. Maybe I'll come back and uh, eventually get a good one. So that's kind of how it goes. Well, you you also play in small countries. You know, I I have to believe in Greece and Spain, Italy, Russia. Like those are pretty. Those contracts are pretty yeah. I think you solidified because here's the thing: the bigger the team, the more money, the more money, and the more reason that uh, that they're not going to screw you. 
So that's that's one of the one of the big things that, that's going on. They're they're not going to try to they're really not going to try to screw you. So we got on the line right now uh, a guy we call him Eurojohn. Uh, he he runs Eurojohn uh, basketball. He's uh he's a European scout. Does a ton of great things. Finds players. Keeps up with the overseas game and is a big help to kind of letting people know what's going on in the world overseas. Eurojohn, how are you today? Hey guys, how you doing? I uh, listened to the show and I thought I'd give you a call in because uh, the European Championships are starting uh, September fourth, and uh, I broke down uh, all the teams. Basically, I got a got a video up for every player that's playing in EuroBasket that's going to take place in Slovenia. And I was listening to the stories you were talking about with uh, you know guys getting screwed with uh, contracts and uh, you're basically right you know bigger teams like Olympiakos and Pantheakos and, and Greece those teams will pay you just the little clubs that uh you know basically hold salaries uh, a lot of times you know guys bounce from team to team so uh especially uh what's happening over there overseas you know with the economy and uh in shambles in terms of uh, European economy and the world economy basically so that that's that's what happens guys bounce from team to team it's not a big club but uh you know that's uh i, I got i got all the basic uh you know france greece uh you know spain uh turkey there's there's four or five teams Lithuania that could that could win the gold medal so uh it's on. It's on Euro John B ball. So yeah. you guys there? Yeah, we're, yeah, we're looking. We're looking okay. at the. I'm looking at the site right now, John. Right. John, you you said uh, on your site that the two best players uh, are arguably um, in the Euro League are arguably Tony Parker and Vasilis um, Spanolis. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I was really high on Spanolis. He came over okay. young. But he should have been playing, uh, you know, I basically every, every chance I get, every time I see Van Gundy on the screen, I just think about how he used them. He basically stuck him in the corner like he was Kyle Korver or Steve Novak. And he just basically put him as a spot-up three-point shooter. Late in the shot clock, he'd get, get the ball when Tracy McGrady, you know, Luther Head and uh, mm-hmm. Rafer Alston even – John Lucas Jr. got tired of pounding the ball at the top of the key. I mean, he get a shot once in a while at the top of the key to do his thing, but he, you know, they stuck him in the corner, and he, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't think he should just be standing in the corner like, like he's just, just basically, you know, a spot up guy. So he got into it. His minutes were cut. He came back to Greece, and you know, Greek fans should basically thank Jeff Van Gundy that this guy went back to Greece and he won, you know, the European Euroleague cha- Championship with Panathinaikos. And back-to-back titles. Uh, he played with uh, uh, Kyle Hines. Actually, won yep. back-to-back uh, champ- championships on that club. And now he moved to uh, Cheska Moscow. But you know, Spinulis had a chance to come back this year as a free agent. But uh, I just basically wrote, "There's, there's no way he's going to come back and you know be, be in a situation where he just gets stuck in the corner again." I mean, mm-hmm. uh, check out John. the crossover he does uh, against Lithuania last week. It's just like no way he should be, should have been stuck right. in the corner. It's just every time I think about that, you know, he's he's got you know he's he's, he's, he's him and uh, Tony Parker are the two best players. But uh, it's going to come down to uh, what center either Omar Sik of uh, Turkey. There's a guy Ioannis Barosis, Doug Collins loved when he was doing the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's basically a guy who could stick the 15 footer. He can do a little damage inside. He's real mobile and he's a uh, 
6'7", 260 guy. He had a chance to come back also. The Spurs were hard after him. I thought actually the Spurs were going to sign him and get rid of Tiago Splitter. He would actually fit the Spurs game a little better. He's not as mechanical. Uh, Tiago Splitter's a little more mechanical. Right. But, they, you know, they re-signed, uh, you know, this, this guy signed with Real Madrid for one year. So if he plays well, you know, and, they, and Spain has uh, pa, uh, Marc Gasol, and with Pau Gasol not being in the tournament, it's a wide-open tournament. Pau mm-hmm. Gasol is there. I think Spain win, wins it easily. But, right. uh, you know, yeah, uh, Tony Parker doesn't have Joe Team Noah. That's why I didn't put them in the top four. But they, they could sneak in. There's basically five teams that could uh, win the gold medal, in my opinion. John, why are a lot of why are a lot of NBA teams kind of late to the party on European players? I mean, you kind of, you see like the Spurs. I mean, for instance, like the Sixers. That they they were very late kind of getting. The, are they not doing their due diligence and looking at these guys or having scouts overseas? I mean, why why is it that some teams always kind of benefit from the European players and other teams don't? Well, it's, it's like the Spurs. You know, they they they've been looking for years. I mean, there's just. If you just look at the highlights of Manu Ginobili when he played in Italy. I mean, dunks, you, you, don't, you don't even see, like, uh, you know, NCAA championship games. This, this guy was flying over people. I, can't, I couldn't believe that the fact he dropped to the second round. And then you look at uh, Tony Parker falling the late first round. I mean, uh, it's just, uh, you know, like, like, like you say, team, uh, teams like the Spurs really – look at Europe because uh, even Greg Popovich said, uh, you know, just uh, coaching a European player, you know, the guys in, in, in the NBA, you know, guys that go through the AAU systems, you know, the, the guys in Europe, they're trying they're trying to leave those countries because, like like, like you guys said, the, the, the smaller clubs don't pay you on time. So guys mm-hmm. from Serbia are trying to get to Greece to get to the big clubs in uh, Greece to get, get paid on time. And, uh, you know, they got, like, bomb like bomb flares being thrown at them. So mm-hmm. they basically they are trying to get to the NBA because they don't want to go through guys. You know, basically, coins are thrown at them all the time. And, you know, got, uh, Kyle Hines got hit in the head with a, with a flare during, during warm-ups in, uh, last year. And I had that on my site. It was crazy. Yeah. They were taking foul shots. Yeah, so, you know, it's a... Uh, it's, it's the, the teams you see with a lot of European players, uh, they're 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 basically scouting more. That's that, that's what what I found out just talking mm-hmm. to a lot of GMs. You know, I even threw up on my site. There there were six GMs that didn't know this guy that won the you know he was a top five player in Europe, and he they they didn't know who he was when I was speaking to him. So, you know, it's I'm not going to name the teams, but it, uh, that's basically what happens. You know. So that's basically it, you know. What you're saying is true. That the teams you see with a lot of European players, that they, they they scout a little harder. That's basically it. So, John, is it is it the Europe like, when when Americans are playing overseas? Is it just the Americans that are having a hard time getting paid, or is it everybody, like even the native players? Well, yeah, like I said, Bonifacos, Olympiacos, the Russian teams will pay mm-hmm. on time. German teams will pay on time. Certain okay. Turkish teams will pay on time, you know, but it's uh, the economy there is so bad. I mean, they they offer you a job right away, and you take mm-hmm. the first check, but uh, they're basically a lot of teams are always late. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll give you the, 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 the saying, tomorrow, tomorrow. But, uh, yeah. you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to assume? So guys just leave, like like, uh, like you were saying earlier. They just bounce from team to team, and uh they don't want to deal with it, so they just go to another team. So it's basically that. The guys that can't make the NBA, they, they have no other option. They'll go, they'll go to Puerto Rico, Argentina. Basically, all the, all the Argentinians 
or going to Spain because Spain pays more than Argentina. You know, that's why Ginobili went there. That's why Nocioni went there. That's why a lot of guys, uh, you know, got, uh, Gutierrez went over there. So it's uh, it's it's uh, it's where the m- more money is. That's where the people are going. So they just, you know bounce. Uh, they, they basically bounce from team to team. The guys that can't get paid. So John, it's a great mail situation. Who are your if you had to name your top three European prospects out there, the top three guys that are going to make an impact in the next kind of NBA players, who are they? Well, I, I like uh, I like Schroeder from uh, he got drafted by the by the Hawks. I, I like his defensive intensity. You know, he, uh, he he's going to come in and do well. There's a guy actually that uh, played on the European Championship team that uh, he's, he's play, he, he got uh, picked up by the Hawks also. You know. Remember, uh, Pablo Pigioni came over as a 35-year-old rookie. There's, there's a guy that the uh, Harold Antich, he's Macedonian. He's 31. He's uh, got a big body. He's actually going to come in and, and help the Hawks right away. That's basically why I put my sight up. I put my sight yep. up because I'm, I'm watching the Greek national team. I'm watching a guy like Papa Lucas. Uh, he just retired. He was a 6'7 point guard. I got the, the game... In 2006, where Greece beat LeBron and uh, Dwight Howard, Chris Paul, Wayne Wade, you know, and, I, and I'm watching them uh, in 2004, and they just barely lost to Iverson and uh, in Athens with uh, Lamar Odom and them, and them guys. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, I was like, why aren't these guys in the NBA? So you know, I just started watching them, and I'm looking. They got size. I'm looking. This guy Papadopoulos having post moves that basically I see only Tim Duncan have. And, uh, you know, he fouled guys like Bogut out. I'm thinking to myself, uh, why aren't these guys in the NBA? But, uh, you know, the Greek, the Greek players don't come over because uh, they, you know, they, they, they like the fact they only play a certain amount of games over there. They get, they, they, you know, they go to Russia, they get big money, they go, they stay in Greece. And they like it's a cultural thing also, you know. So they're not used to the American culture when they come over. But, uh, you know, to me, that, that's why I put the site up. There's, there's older guys that uh, uh, got Luigi Datome, De, De right, that, that Detroit picked up this year. Mm-hmm. I started watching this guy, and Detroit got him for three years of $4.3 million. I mean, they took a shot on him. Now, say Philly picks him up, you know, to me, that, that's a guy you got to pick up. He, he can block shots, gets the, the three-point shot at a high percentage, He's long. He's about uh, six, 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 seven. He can run the floor. He dunks on people. I mean, he's a, he's he's an older guy. He's like 27 right now. So to me, there's guys not just like everybody covets like the Ricky Rubios when they're 16 over there, you know, playing well. And they go they go with the the you know the, the Reebok and the Adidas uh, three or four day tournament over there. Whoever does well in that tournament, that's the guys that get drafted. But to me. There's guys older, like this guy I wrote about, Dematidis, who basically a lot of GMs, when I talked to them, didn't know who he was as, as a 28-year-old free agent. And this uh, Dematidis was way better than Pablo Prigioni. I mean, uh, there's guys older over there that, that could help. And uh, there's, there's, a guy, uh, there's guys on my site, I, uh, I have NBA transactions. And, uh, you know, there's, there's guys, uh, the Bucks picked up the center, uh, but Dulia, and, and this guy can really—he moves, he moves, moves like Pekovic. I mean, he's big like Pekovic, but he runs the floor really well. And that, that's a guy I was really high on is Nikola Pekovic. He played with Bonatek Bus, 
he was a little mechanical like Tiago Splitter, but he was a bull. So, I mean, uh, he, you saw he got paid. He got uh, five years and $60 million from the Timberwolves. Now, he's not great defensively, but uh, if he gets it down low, he's going to kill you because he's so big. He's so wide. So, uh, you know, just uh, the first year, uh, Kurt Rambis was really feeding the ball. But uh, I, th- I think, uh, you know, the, the recent coach he got in there, Adelman, he, he, he was feeding them the ball a little better. So, uh, you know, he got a little better. So, like I said, there's guys over there older that can help teams. So, uh, I, I'm trying to figure out why teams don't don't, don't go the Pablo Perigioni route. That's why I put my site up. So, it's just to inform teams uh, what's going on over there with older guys. We are, we've are we been on the line with John Demopoulos. Uh, he's known as Euro John. You can check him Euro out John at WBall. Yep, you can check him out at www.eurojohnbball.com. Um, he has information and video of all kinds of players in the European Basketball League. I mean, anything you want to know about the European leagues, uh, Eurojohn has it up on his site, videos, all kinds of players, breaks everything down, just a wealth of knowledge um, on the European basketball players. Uh, John, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We have a lot of callers to get to. Uh, hopefully you can join us again right, soon. Guys, I appreciate it. And yeah. I'm going to have all the, you know, next uh, next couple of weeks, I'm going to have yep. all the videos up of the games going on. Awesome. and. uh Look at the NBA transactions page. That's the that's the one where uh, where the older uh, you know European guys are coming over. A couple guys came over to the Tome and uh, got from the Bucks. And and I have, I'm up to like 170 in uh, European transactions, summer transactions. Those guys right. on that list that can help teams also. All right, All right. Guys, I we appreciate will, we it. We will check that Thank out, you. John. John, thanks for joining us. All right, Thank you. take care. Bye bye. So talking a little bit with uh, Eurojohn, very very knowledgeable. I mean, oh my! I mean, I'm looking at his site, Kev. I mean, he has everything broken down. I mean, he this guy he should really be. I mean, one of these East Coast teams like mm-hmm. the Sixers, Nets, need that European Celtics. I, I mean, he just knows so much. I mean, what's the harm in bringing this guy in to kind of give him some information about uh you know some of the up and coming players? Real really nice job by John. Very nice. Uh, so now we're going from uh, the. Scout to the player. We have our first player calling in tonight. Uh, Mike Jordan. Mike played uh, for for a number of years. Played at UPenn. Then went on and uh, played in Germany, Italy, uh, a few different places. Did a tremendous player. Great veteran. Mike, how are you tonight? I'm all right, Kev. How you doing? We're doing good. And I forgot to mention also now assistant coach at Colgate. Uh, Mike, you know we're talking talking overseas basketball during our little ode to overseas basketball. Just wanted to throw a few questions at you. First, uh, what was your what was your favorite place to play when you were overseas? Um, I'll probably have to say Germany. Yeah, Germany was uh, my favorite spot. Although you know I've been in situations, uh, been fortunate enough to have a bunch of places that I've enjoyed, but uh, Germany probably be the best. I won a championship over there, second division and first division, so I'll wow. have to give the nod to Germany. Mike, how how many how many teams did you, I mean how many countries have you played for? What were some of the teams you played for? Uh, my first year out, I was in Spain, and uh, about four years in Germany. Mm-hmm. Did a little stint, and uh, then I went to Italy, Belgium. Played mm-hmm. about a, a couple months in Greece, a couple months in Latvia, a couple months in Israel. But those are the the major places that I played and uh, just from traveling around on my German teams and uh, 
European, you know, championships, uh, not championships, but, you know, Euro Cup and ULAB Cup, Euro Challenge. I got to play in a lot of different, you know, different countries, but those were the home base. Home now, how, that how hard is it adjusting to the different countries and different cultures of the different places you've been? Um, for me, it wasn't hard. You know, uh, luckily, uh, I went to a, a, uh, a private school in high school with all different types of people and then, uh, then, you know, all different types of people. So for me, it was, you know, it was, it was, it was a great experience. I didn't have a problem adjusting at all, you know, to the different people, different cultures. You know, you just, you're, you're immersed in it. And if you have an open mind about it, you know, you'll be fine. That's, and, you know, Mike, obviously, a UPenn graduate. Uh, you're a lot smarter than both of us, so combined, you, yeah. So you can you can catch on and pick up languages a lot easier easier than we can. So that's uh, that's a good thing. So yeah, German, Mike, I never picked up German. Though. I picked up some enough to get by, but uh, you yeah. know, being as though I played there the most, I probably should have uh, should be fluent in, in my life. <laughs> so you're know, talking about languages. Uh, when you were when you were over there, did a lot of because I noticed this when I went. A lot of European teams did they did they speak English? Did the coaches speak English? Did they go through practices in English? Yeah, when I was in Spain, my coach didn't speak English very well, so mm-hmm. you know uh, he uh, wanted the players translated. But I had a, a a Spanish base from high school in Penn, so I was able to pick up on uh, on a lot of, of what he was saying. Mm-hmm. But once I got to Germany, the, the common language on 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 all the teams were was uh, was English because it was just easier. Yeah, you know, the easiest language for everybody to speak, which was great. Mike, what what's your what? Give us your your craziest story about overseas. Something crazy that happened. What's the craziest thing that ever happened when you were playing overseas? He got paid. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that man. I was I was actually fortunate enough to be in places where you know mm-hmm. where getting getting your money on time wasn't an issue. But um, you know, I I play I played in leagues where guys didn't get paid, and you know, I heard one one of my homies, you know, they didn't get paid for like three months. You know, which was which was crazy to, for me to to fathom, but uh, it, it definitely, that's the, one of the major things over there about getting paid, and I heard John on there earlier talking about uh, grief, and I guess the crazy experience is when I played for a month and a half, I was down in Pauk, which is in Thessaloniki, mm-hmm. and uh, Harris is, is down there also, and it was the last game of the season that we played them, and as he said, you know, the crowd, you know, was throwing stuff and lighting fires inside the gym, and it was it was crazy. It, it was it was great. Now, now, Mike, in, in terms of like kind of like different cultures you've been in, like what was the what, where did, where did you have the best food? What what food did you like the best? Uh, I'll say Italy. Yep, nice. I knew I knew that was coming. I had a feeling that Italy, was Italy, Italy, and Spain. Italy and Spain. Italy all, and now, Spain were, now, now all these countries. All these countries kind of have the fast food restaurants here too. Right? Don't they have like the McDonald's and stuff all over? The, they're all over the world, right? Wendy's and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so McDonald's, always... Burger King, not yep. so much Wendy's, but McDonald's okay. and Burger King all over. Okay, so you always you always have somewhere to eat then, huh? Uh, yeah, I, I try not to eat that crap, but yep. uh, you know, uh, some nights you have to, and for, you know, I, I would say I would rather eat fast food over there. Mm-hmm. Than over here. <laughs> now, Mike, uh, you know, we talked about most European teams and most overseas teams only take two imports. Now, Germany uh, 
they can take a few more. There's uh, there's certain rules in place, and they can they can take a few more than just the standard two. Did that make it easier when you were playing in Germany to kind of have a few more Americans on your team as opposed to just having you know you and another guy kind of alone in the in the middle of a foreign country? No, not. I mean, it's it, it's different, you know, because uh, you you would think it would be better to have a whole. Mm-hmm. I mean, for for my wife, it was better when they had you know all the guys were married and and all that for her to hang out with. Yeah. But uh, you know, I, I actually had more fun when it was when it was less Americans on the team. Uh, you get a lot of guys over there that are just you know trying to get theirs and and, and move on. So it kind of you know if you can get a good group, then then it's great. But if you, you know, one or two guys that just want to you know, be selfish and, and shoot up all the balls just so they can get a new a, a new deal next year. Then that that's where the issue comes in. But you know, it's always it's always good to have people, you know, like you that come from where you come from that go through the same struggle. But you know, it's both good and bad because you get a couple that you know are just there for, for them and kind of messes up the team dynamics. Mike, the best player you've played with overseas. <sighs> hmm. oh, teammate. I would say uh teammate teammate and the and the best player you played against. I'll say my my uh best teammate that I had was probably uh I had quite a few, man. Mm-hmm. Uh Emmanuel McElroy is pretty pretty good. Played at uh played at um on Cincinnati. Okay. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. You know, my whole that whole team of the guys that I played with in Cologne back in 05 when we won the championship were pretty good. There's a guy, uh, Alexander Nashai, who was awesome. That uh, Serbian guy that was that was great. You know, mm-hmm. forward played. You know, uh, there a lot of guys. I played against Sasha Obradovic, who also coached me, who was a really really good player. So um, it's it's hard to, to pick just one. I mean, I played sure, sure. with and against a lot of a lot of really good guys. Uh, Martin Gortat was was my teammate on that whole five team as well. Who's now oh, yeah. in the NBA, so you know it's it's hard to to, to you know to pick just one, and I don't want to leave anybody out. <laughs> so you know we're talking with uh, Mike Jordan. Mike played uh, Spain, Germany, Italy, Greece, uh, Latvia, to name a few different places. A UPenn graduate, uh, talking a little overseas basketball. <clears throat> so Mike. You know, we talked about some of the some of the situations. What was your best best moment playing overseas? Um, I would say that uh my first year in Germany, we moved the uh team up to first division from second division. And then in oh five when I played with uh Cologne, Ryan Energy Cologne and we won the uh, the first league championship. Now which which championship meant uh was a little was better? The Going from the second division or winning the first division championship? Um, they both were, were equal equal value to me because uh, that, you know we went we went undefeated that year in second division. So that you know that was a special year. You know I'm still friends with everybody from 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 that uh, from that team. And then you know '05 winning the you know, first division championship was, was great as well. So it's it's. Both were, were were very important to me. Mike, what um, you know, did you have any tryouts with NBA teams? Just to give some of the some of the listeners yeah, some background. My, um, my first year out, I was with the Seventy Sixers in the preseason. Okay. I mean, in the summer league, and then mm-hmm. lost the Celtics for the preseason. 
Okay. And I was one of the one of the last cuts with the Celtics. So gotcha. Close, but you know, no cigar. Yep. Now, 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 were were you kind of disappointed? I mean, I know the initial disappointment is you know you get cut. You know, obviously your first dream is to be an NBA player like everyone else. Um, but then, you, I mean, you kind of have to quickly transition your mindset into okay, now I'm going to be overseas and kind of put that put the you know the kind of trials and tribulations of getting cut from any team behind you. I mean, how hard is that to kind of now move forward into kind of realizing, okay, I'm an overseas player now. I mean, is that a tough transition to make in your mind? Um, I, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, I think, uh, you know, what's tougher is when you play against a guy overseas that you kill. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. the next year you see him in India. I think that's tougher than, <laughs> you know, shifting your mind from, okay, I didn't make the league. I'm going to go play basketball overseas. Cause I think, you know, everybody wants to be a pro. So you know, mm-hmm. if you can go overseas and make a make a good living and be a, and be a pro, then you know you you you're living your dream. But I don't think it's hard to process. Okay, I, I didn't make the league. Let me go overseas and get this money. Mm-hmm. But let me continue to play. You know, further my career. It's more of when you play against a guy and, and you and you crush him, and then the next year or later that year he's in the NBA, and right. you know you're like, hold up, you know this is this can't you know this can't be happening. Mm-hmm. So I think it's more dealing with that than than uh, you know switching mindsets of that that you didn't make it. It's more of That's wait this guy, this guy I played against this guy I crushed him and now he's you know backing up Derrick Rose. Wow, that's crazy. Well, Mike, yeah. thank you so thank you so much for uh, for joining us tonight. Uh, we really appreciate your time. Uh, obviously, you're you're a great guest. We love having you on. Uh, enjoy talking, listening to you talk about overseas basketball, and we'll talk to you soon. Hopefully, uh, do a little college basketball preview. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Take care, Kyle. Uh, Thanks, all right, Mike. See you, Mike. All right. Yeah. Mike Jordan joining us on the program played a different, a lot of different places uh, growing up, and when he was playing professionally, uh, it was a lot of fun talking to him. Uh, we, like I said, we, we're, we're guest after guest, so you're not going to hear much of a, us talk tonight. Is that a, is that a bad thing? Not for the listeners. I feel like we say that every every week, but then our ratings skydive when no one listens to us. <laughs> so like, well, I feel like you know, if if you're if you're constantly changing up, I think this is a fun story. So mm-hmm. uh, we have a we have a lot of different people calling in. Uh, right now, we have on the line uh, Adam Crisco. Adam, uh, he uh, played overseas. Uh, now owns. Now as an owner, and uh, who's joining us to talk a little bit of overseas basketball? Adam, how are you? Hey guys, happy Labor Day! Happy Thanks, Labor Day! Too. I said Labor yeah. Day. Happy Labor Day! <laughs> yeah, you're laboring. I am enjoying this uh, dreary skies out here in downtown Grand Rapids, but still, nonetheless, very happy uh, to be on the show. Well, it's, Adam, it's funny because uh, you know we, we go through, and um, everyone says Labor Day. No one's supposed to work, but my wife dragged me out and did errands today, and all we did was went from retail shop to retail shop. I was like, "What? There's everyone's working. Like the only people who aren't working are me and my wife." Apparently, right. like I went to Wawa. There's people working there. Yeah, everyone's working. Right. I went to Michael's, and there's a lot of people working there. Right. So, Adam, uh, tell us. You know, now you're an owner. Used to be a player. What? Uh, sure. Tell us about your experience as. Uh, Going from from one end of the spectrum to, or kind of from one seeing it as the one point of view to going to a different that other point of view now being an yeah. owner and uh, controlling things. Well, I I used to hate rest and now I really hate rest. 
Um, I, I used to love fans. Now I look at them as a number. No, I'm just kidding. I think <laughs> I think when you um, when you go from being so highly competitive and demanding so much of yourself and being your own boss and getting your own results or, hey, making a failure or a mistake here or there and being able to recover on that side of thing on your own time or it's your own will, um, and then going into managing people and uh, reaching into people's lives and figure out what it is that makes them successful, how can you help them reach that goal? That's that's really difficult. So you you have a big, uh, you know, I'm doing a lot of reading in, in psychology and training and teaching and just listening and learning to people and leadership who are, you know, the big heads in minor league sports around here, but also across the across the states, uh, people that I can tap in my network and go, how do you do this? How did you do this? So um, I'm just learning a lot, um, kind of like a rookie again. And I have to put myself in the shoes of the guy who is dying to make the squad. And no matter what I do, I have to make this work because my my life and, uh, is depending on it, you know, for my financial freedom that I <laughs> yep. my desire. Um, and it's you know it's kind of like you, you're sitting overseas in a hotel room going hope I don't get home, sent home today, or mm-hmm. you know hope hopefully I have a good game today. Let's go out and make this meeting happen with uh, with Southwest Airlines or somebody, and I hope I'm on my A game so that I'm not letting down the you know all these athletes who need me to make it to the next level. So that's one side of it, um, but it is a lot of fun. You know, and that's the pressure of being in the position I'm in. But that, there's rewards, too. And just like every great athlete will tell you, there's nothing better than hitting that game-winning shot or mm-hmm. being your rival, uh, you know, on his home court in the playoffs in races one in Germany or something like that. But um, now now I want to make it happen here in Grand Rapids in our backyard. So that's, that's awesome. So, uh, you know, we're, we're talking with Adam Crisco, owner of the uh, Grand Rapids Cyc- Cyclones. Now, Adam, when you played, describe the uh, – and this is the one thing I find with a lot of overseas guys. Uh, once they get done, they don't have the name. They don't have the same name as a as a Tracy McGrady and guys like that who can go out and probably get speaking gigs and stuff like that. So when, when I, playing I've, overseas – I've, I've never encountered that phenomenon. <laughs> yeah. So how, how difficult was it when you retired from, from basketball or stopped playing basketball to – then finding a career that kind of matches what you want to do, especially not having that name and being out of the the gap from college to to now is so wide. Um, I think you have to take a a bit of a a step back. You know, your ego takes a bit of a blow. <laughs> I'm not gonna yeah. lie. You, all of a sudden, you're not the guy in the room that that everybody wants to talk to. You're the guy mm-hmm. trying to get everyone to talk to you. Yeah, uh, you want their attention, so you're constantly name dropping and throwing your resume out, which is it's sales tactics. But you want to be uh, at that place in life where you're um, you're making an impact. So, and it's mm-hmm. hard to do that without just uh, we're we're gifted enough as athletes, we just get that handed to us. Uh huh. You know, you you don't recognize that till later that you know your name and what you did and the, the opportunities that you had uh, as a player are soon gone. Uh, when you step off that court, you just you're not you're not somebody anymore. So sometimes that can be depressing for other guys. It can be a motivator. Um, I'm using it as a catalyst to kind of let people know, hey, I know what I'm talking about a little here. <laughs> so, but it, it's hard because you want you know, and my name never got as big as I wanted it to. A lot of these guys will tell you, hey, I never made it to the NBA. So mm-hmm. I I don't know that I really 
um, deserve to say my name as much as I hear it. But it's cool. <laughs> it's, it's still a privilege. It's cool. Adam, Adam as an owner, um, now, now, now obviously you don't own an NBA team, and, and the majority of, of fans, you know, they, they, they associate more with the NBA game. I mean, how – if you see a, little, a slight dip in, the, in attendance or decline in attendance, like how do you get more people to the games? I mean, is there? I mean, I know it's harder because it's not the NBA. So do you kind of do you kind of go game by game and go? Oh, we had a little dip in attendance here. Okay, the attendance is back up right. a little bit. I mean, how do you how do you draw um, people to see your product? Well, I don't want to step out too far and, and let I, you know we haven't had a game yet. So this this is all right. speaking from experience in, in okay. regards mm-hmm. to that, but. Gotcha. Um, my plans in the future will kind of align with some of the things that I've been a part of in other organizations. So mm-hmm. you're constantly tapping into the people in the community that already have a name and a following and try to merge those two demographics together and make it to where this is a community event, not just yep. because of the sport or the music artist or the performer coming in, but because it's the place to be on that current night. If you can achieve that, I feel like you have people that are your viewers that don't even show up to the game sometimes but will support you. Or yeah. people at your games that are just there because, hey, it's what's happening in Grand Rapids. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, our viewership will go up and down sometimes. Retaining those core fans is kind of like your regulars in a restaurant. You want to treat mm-hmm. them the best you can. Make sure they get all the VIP specials and everybody knows who they are when they walk in. Got their uh, their uh, beverage waiting for them. So we want to cater to that and make you feel like, oh, you just walked into your home gym. Here's the guys that you've been seeing around here for years. They're your players. Um, and hopefully that keeps our bottom our bottom level of attendance always growing, you know, always always pushing to grow that, you know, if we started off, let's say, on our spreadsheet at 200 fans, and what does it take to get into the black again? Well, mm-hmm. you know, you want to keep growing that bottom number so that your black always keeps growing. But uh, <laughs> those, are, those are funny sales talk and stuff like that. <laughs> I just think I could wrestle a bear or I could uh, give away free tickets, but you know, mainly what we want to do is just make it fun. So. <laughs> That's a, so, Adam, we've been asking, what's your best? What's your best experience that you had overseas? Funny story, uh, interesting thing. What's the What's the most experience that stands out the most from you playing over there? Boy, I'm going to burn a few guys' names here. Hopefully, they aren't listening. <laughs> but I was in Argentina with a guy that I played with, uh, who actually went to LSU, Jaime Lareda. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> you know, uh, that's a beautiful country, um, beautiful women, beautiful eateries. Just I was amazed and really in awe of being there, uh, being flown out on someone else's dollar, put into a uniform, given a, a, a an agenda, uh, you know, on your desk when you wake up. It's all in paperwork, printed out for you. You're a pro now. So I'm just getting to enjoy that. Well, my roommate knows we have a curfew. And uh, he gets caught making out with some girl, I don't know, some Argentinian <laughs> chick. And so I have to cover for him. And uh, we're at the hotel, and I speak Spanish. So, boy, was he lucky. And I had, I was able to get the, <laughs> the coach to understand that he wasn't in the room and uh, he would just be right back. And he actually was crawling, six foot nine guy, crawling behind him. And then behind the counter of the lady that works there, and she doesn't speak any English, and she doesn't know what's going on. And this big, huge man's crawling behind her. And I'm going, yeah, coach, I'll make sure he's ready for practice in the morning. I go, ah, i got a long way to go to make it to the NBA at this point. 
because <laughs> <laughs> just fun. But you know, there are some exciting times. Um, I hit a falling a, a shot falling out of bounds uh, from the right hand side uh, with a four point play that ended up ended up helping us make it into overtime for a game. Uh, and when when that happened, the whole place went nuts. And I'll never forget that. Um, I'll never forget hitting a shot in front of my mom and just watching the replay five, six, seven times over, not at my shot going in, just watching her jump up and down, you know, and be a proud of her son, which is, you know, something every kid wants to do. So that's so that's so true. That and then I think that, that when you because I've watched highlights of myself as well, and the one thing I always I do. I kind of watch the crowd more. I just I want to watch like the reactions of people when you do something good. It's 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 more fun that way. We actually I dunked want... on a kid in college, and, and we got a tech because my coach was halfway out at half court, and it sounded like Jesus walked in the building. <laughs> it was nuts. Adam, we actually watched Kevin's highlights in between the Sports Center commercial. We popped them in real quick, and uh, th- th- those couple highlights they were they were pretty nice though. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what are you saying? There's not enough of them. I mean, I would think there'd be more. Hilarious. Listen, there's commercial. You know, they didn't have all the high tech camera equipment back then and all yeah. that, you know, thank right. God. H they were they weren't in H D, that's for sure. That's right. <laughs> well, Adam, thank you so much for joining us tonight, talking a little bit about your experience. Uh everyone out there go check out the Grand Rapids Grand Rapid Cyclones this year. Uh check out our Facebook page. www.facebook.com slash Grand Rapid Cyclones. Grand Rapid Cyclones dot com is up now. Uh, being built by Renee Schull. Uh, nice. You know, we're looking to have everybody out there and come and get involved. I love that you guys let me on. I really appreciate that. And uh, Party Shots, uh, I think you said something called Colorado wasn't a good baseball team last week on my... your show. Uh, we're hot right now. Todd Helton <laughs> just hit his 2,500 hit. Um, Wait, we're going to be fine. I, no, I, no, I said Colorado no, Co- wasn't good. Kevin said Colorado Yeah, that was good. me. Cause I was, I yeah, was, watch I'm it. A, I'm, I'm, I'm a I'll find out where you. I find out where you make this little radio show and come down there. <laughs> yeah, but wait. But you won't be impressed. But, but wait a second. What 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 place is Colorado in the? Uh, are they in the? World ten, we, last I yeah, last I, I checked, we were about ten games under five hundred. But uh, you know, that's, he just kind of lumped us in there with a Pittsburgh and a and a KC Royals. Come on, guy. I mean, give us a little respect. You know, well, getting lumped in with Pittsburgh these days yeah, is such a bad seriously. thing. But getting lumped, well, getting lumped in with the Phillies is pretty much that's that's the that's pretty much the worst thing <laughs> yeah. right now. That's it. You don't want to play be associated yeah. with. Thank you and so then, much. Adam. Then, you appreciate. I love it. you guys. Thanks, guys. Oh, Take care. Sucks. Thanks. Appreciate. Adam Adam Crisco joining us uh, again. You know it's fun because you get a lot of overseas guys who call in and uh, and the, everyone has a story because it's a, it's such a fun it's such a fun and interesting place to be and uh it's it's definitely uh we're we're having a lot of fun here tonight yeah it, it's good too kept getting adam who played and now he's an owner so you exactly get you get the of, different you get, you get kind of both sides of the spectrum there again tonight the show brought to you tonight by foam pla- foam pack supplier of all graco products just a phone call away 888-458-2928 also as uh adam was saying renee show uh integrated plague check them out especially right now with uh the amount of professional athletes listening and guys who are playing overseas who are kind of finishing up, uh, check out Integrated Play. Check out Renee, 269-760-3857. Call Renee if you're, if you're kind of struggling, if you're mm-hmm. 
just recently retired. You don't have, we don't have the name. The overseas guys don't have the big names, so they need help. And Renee's perfect at getting your she's help. She's great. She's done a lot for the show. She's exactly. helped us out tremendously. And she's she's awesome. So check her out. She will get you set up with a great job, uh, and and get your resumes in order. She she does great work. Check out Integrated Play again two six nine seven six zero three eight five seven. Call us again. Call us if you can uh, get in between one of the uh, players calling in three four seven two one five eight one two six, or hit us up on Twitter at the match underscore up zone and uh, shoot us a question. Our interns are diligently standing by, waiting to uh, waiting to uh, get to you. Yeah, there you go. And uh, you know, it's funny because we talked about Labor Day, Labor Day, and all the all the yeah. Everyone, what is that? <laughs> everyone's everyone is uh, everyone's working today. It's, it's what, Kev, what, what's the worst job you've ever had? I worked at Rita's Water Ice for about two weeks. <laughs> I worked uh, at Rita's wait, Water Ice, and all I did how long ago? it was when I was in high school. This summer, <laughs> <laughs> last summer, and it was when I was in high school. And it's funny because uh, my brother's on hold, and he he'll make fun of it, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, I worked there, and I just wanted to. It was pretty much a gig to get free water ice. I think there was just I would just go in there and I would just eat water ice and serve some people and eat I just one eat water for you, ice. Yeah. Two for me. And I just, and I just wasn't I didn't wasn't committed to it. I was playing basketball. You know, when you're in well, high I school. Hope now you're 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 running as a summer job. What do you mean committed? Well, I was. It was between my senior year or junior year and senior year in high school. So I was lifeguarding, doing that, and then trying to be like a great basketball player. So I was like, "What am I doing here?" It was two weeks, and I got my fill of water ice, and I just said, "Okay, that's I'll, enough." I'll tell you, one of the worst jobs I've ever had was. Did you ever cut lawns with uh, Coach Crawford? Yes. That. That wasn't fun. I mean, we, it was scary, too. Well, one day we cut 56 lawns. 56 lawns in a day. And he would have this huge list of pay. He would have this huge paper, and we'd be sitting in the back of this van on the, on the, on the wheel wells, and you're, you're, the mower's in the back. And we'd cut like 10 lawns. He goes, all right, 10 down, 34 left. And you're just like – and every time we pulled up, you're like, all right, 33 left. And you're just like, oh, my God, this is horrible. <laughs> we would make a dent. Right. And and we would literally start at seven in the morning, and we would go until dark. There were times when it was so dark, he would shine the headlights. Uh-huh. He would put his headlights on, so you can finish. One night it was so dark, he goes, "Guys, shut the mowers off. Just make the lines in the lawn." So we're doing the mowers off, and we're just making lines in the lawn. Like, Cut. It. I mean, but well, meanwhile, that, cross stopping at Wawa, getting himself a sandwich. And no, you're just the like... wor- the worst was when he we would go to um, when we would go to um, to like he would take us to lunch for like Burger King or, or uh-huh. he would take us to like a pizza place. Yeah. And every, like, six of us, he goes, all right, he would let us, like, split a pie, and he would be in the back eating, like, a uh, a cheesesteak with fried onions and french fries, you know. And we're, like, high school kids. We are st- we could eat four or five pieces ourselves, and we're, like, eating a piece. And it was just – because we had no money until he paid us. Yeah. <laughs> even then you didn't have any and money. And even then we only had a little bit of money. Well, it's funny because, yeah, I mean, talking about Labor Day, I feel like I did more labor – Yesterday and today than I have in my entire. I mean, we. I was tearing up my yard. Uh, my my wife's parents were up, so they were up for the day, and we were tearing up the yard. Then we. Don's here. Don, yeah, Don. Why isn't he here right now? Don had to go home. He went home uh, this morning. Fairfax. Yeah, sorry, Don. Don is back from being Don from Fairfax and not Don from Cherry Hill. <laughs> <laughs> so he was up, and uh, it was just a, a lot of labor. I worked out real hard this. I mean, I. Listen, this this past few week, this past week, I drank so much pumpkin beer. 
I mean, just too much pumpkin beer, which any doctor or medicine man will tell you is not good. Do you drink Oktoberfest or whatever? Is it? I drink Oktoberfest, but when pumpkin beer comes out, I'm a big pumpkin beer guy. And when it comes out, I just I, I have to have it. So what the the problem is they bring it out in August and September, but you don't drink it until October. So it's like, why am I sitting here drinking this? So I I, I say I'm gonna like buy a case of Shipyard and I'm gonna put it in the in my pantry and just wait until Halloween. And I'm already a six pack down because I'm just like I just can't stop myself. It's like an uncontrollable. Why, why do you have to wait? Like, cause you feel like you should drink it during yeah, like, like when you're the in fall. Exactly, like pumpkin beer's good when it's Halloween and when it's Thanksgiving. When it's, but it's all gone then. Mm-hmm. It's all gone by September, and then you're you're left with nothing. Is that kind of like when it's warm on Christmas? That's like not good. Like yeah, you, you don't associate want that. some things with like different climates and things like that. Exactly. Excuse me, Zach. Eggnog. eggnog. I've never had eggnog. Have you ever had eggnog in July? Me no. neither. I have haven't. You, well, have you have you ever had pumpkin pie in 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 May? I don't eat pumpkin pie. Are you allergic? No. Zach, I don't when, like pumpkin. Zach, when you be when you become a grown up and you well, oh, first off, a big congratulations. I am a grown up. For a big congratulations, now Zach can vote, get arrested, and attend strip clubs with uh, his buddy Adam. Which is what we're doing after the show tonight. Yes, we are. Right, we're gonna, we're gonna make it hail. <laughs> so Zach is eighteen. Eight turn eighteen yesterday. The big eighteen. They forgot. We Mike until and, Rachel brought down cookies. They forgot my birthday. Mike and I forgot, and Mike's wife uh, came and gave him some a thing of cookies, and in those cookies was a candle. And we, Mike and I looked at each other like, "What's going on?" And Let me ask you guys something. How long have I known you? Quite a bit. Like six years, right? Yeah. Probably longer. And you didn't even know my birthday. We well, do okay, now. Well, when's my really? Birthday? What is it? Don't don't look at a calendar. What's my birthday? September first. September first. Well, like it's well, not today. Well, when's my birthday? I don't know, but remember we exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. We used to make a big deal about my birthday. It was like uh, our thing. You know, we used to make a big deal about Austin's birthday, not yours. What's Austin's birthday? I have no Who idea. The month. Who cares? November tenth. November tenth. Wait, I, bet, I can bet you a million dollars. Mike knows what kind of cake I had last night. Yes, Carvel. Carvel, Carvel ice cream cake. I just was it the whale? Was it the watermelon? No, it was the one with the Oreo cookie crumbles in it. Oh, that's good Let's stuff. get your brother in here. Yeah, he's going to hang they, up. He's gonna my hang brother's going to hang up on us. He's just like, why are these idiots putting, us, putting me on hold? My brother Jeff Owens played professional basketball for a number of years, played at UPenn, uh, then went to Fran- was in the D-League, went to France, Turkey, Poland. I think I got them all. Did I? That's right, Kev. Hey, Jeff, how are you? Good to, good to hear from you. Again. Hey, first time, long time. How you guys doing? <laughs> first, up, Jeff. first time, long time. <laughs> no, it's the first time I ever listened to the show. You know, it's it's not bad. I'd work on it a little bit. First time, uh, he meant it was the first time he's listened to the show, but the longest time he was on hold. First time, long time on hold. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so, you know, Jeff, we're talking overseas basketball. We had your, your, uh, your former teammate from UPenn, Mike Jordan, on a little bit earlier. Jeff, tell us about your craziest moment, craziest story you have playing basketball overseas. Yeah, and I know I'm used to playing uh, second banana to Mike Jordan, so I'm I'm, I'm used to it. Um, yeah, but so yeah, I, and Kevin's used to playing second banana to you, so don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, I'm no, okay, you can have doing a good job here. I'm the third yeah, banana. I, go, I, I don't think he should ever quit the show and go back to Rita's, even though I could get some free water right out of it. <laughs> it's tempting. <laughs> um. Craziest, craziest memories. I mean, I've had, I've had a few ones. You guys mentioned earlier, 
some of the some of the lesser known uh, leagues. I know in Turkey was a little bit interesting. It's a pretty good league, but uh, in terms of intensity of rivalry, I'd never seen anything like it. And uh, we're playing. Uh, I'm playing. I'm playing with Galatasaray. And we're playing uh, Fenerbahce. And anyone who's even soccer fans would know that's a rivalry that goes back forever. Both teams are in Istanbul, hate each other. Like they told us, you get in the cab. Don't tell them you're from Galatasaray because they might be a Fenerbahce fan. They might drive you off a cliff or something. Like, that's how seriously. <laughs> but they'll take themselves and out we, just to take you out. <laughs> yeah, like that. That's how serious it was. And so. We, we we go out to start. We go out to warm up, and there are probably about a thousand police in full riot gear, sitting. I mean, it's a pretty big arena there. Like you know, not quite like First Union or whatever Wells Fargo, whatever it is now. Mm-hmm. But you know, probably about fifteen thousand people could sit there. Mm-hmm. Around the mid court lines, probably about five hundred on each side, police in full riot gear, and our fans are on the one end, and their fans on the other. Like so, they couldn't. Wow you know, interact with each other. That's how serious it was. And there's this coin getting flung onto the court and uh, big Turkish coins, not like a little like coin quarter. <laughs> like, like these things were, you could hear them come whistling past you. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was, it was terrifying. And I go in early, me being me and get into kind of a little bit of a, you know, wrestling match sort of with one of their biggest guys right in front of their end of the floor. And this is, I just got into the game. I actually just got into the country, so I didn't really know the whole rules here. And, you know, this happened. This guy ends up shoving me. He gets a foul. So I'm, I'm you know, kind of feeling good about myself, you know, kind of str- strutting the foul line. I hear this clunk beside me. It was like the faucet from the sink. It, <laughs> <laughs> it just, like one of the sinks of death or something. It just landed behind me like that thing would have killed me. They threw everything and the kitchen sink at you. They really did. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, I'm going to turn it down a little bit. And I kind of gave the, you know, the Euro wave and a little bow. Like, okay, you get, I'm, please don't you tell me. me. You know, you guys are all right. Yeah. Please don't throw the throw the rest of that at me. <laughs> yeah, like, I, don't, I can't. I'm not going to do it. I can't dodge two bullets like that. I, I got lucky. Jeff, when, when you first got the call that you were going overseas, I mean, Take us back. I mean, how excited were you? Excited, nervous? You're starting, you know, a new phase in your life, going to a different country. I mean, what what's that like in terms of? Uh, were you married at that point or anything like that? No, it was still. I was dating my uh, now wife, mm-hmm. and um, we knew she was actually playing over there herself. And you actually had Diana on yep. uh, yep. one of your shows earlier, and she's actually one of the best ball players in in uh, Philadelphia area as well. Another Penn mm-hmm. player. And so she had already left. So I was kind of feeling, and I know a couple of my buddies, my, Matt Langle, Mike Jordan, they had already gotten jobs. So I was kind of like, you know, twiddling my thumbs a little bit, like, all right, when's this call going to come? So when mm-hmm. it finally did, it was it was one of those things I can't actually remember. I was down a Blue Rocks game with my dad, and I got a call, and literally I was on a plane the next day, the next night, to Poland. Wow. So it was kind of, I didn't have time to really be too nervous. It was just kind of exciting. Like, all right, what do I bring? Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's let's go. Let's make this happen. So it was it was exciting and, and nerve wracking all at the same time. Wow, that's awesome, Jeff. I think I pretty much know the answer to this, but uh, best place, favorite area where you played in terms of uh, the whole entire lifestyle. Um, I have to say France. I spent my last three years playing over there, and um, yeah, he, and Kevin got a chance to come over and visit me actually probably for my one of my last weekends over there and it was the first time we were in eastern france for about 10 minutes from germany 
about 10 minutes from Switzerland, so right the basically out. 10 minutes from wine country? Wine country, yeah. We, we, we had some wines, and I, was, I could tell that I was pretty much wound down. We didn't have a real strong year that year. We were out of the playoffs, and I think if I recall, we had practice that night, and I think I had quite a few glasses of wine myself. So that's, you can tell <laughs> where my, my head was at that point as far as getting ready to retire. But uh, yeah, that, uh, it, was, it was tremendous. That was awesome. I'll tell you because I Malus was just was perfect. I just had we had such a good time and uh, that that week we I mean because uh, my wife Sarah or was she my wife then? She Not might yet. have been. No, I don't think she was. Yeah, so, so she was uh, same thing. Like, but we went over and uh, it was just it was just a, such a good experience just to kind of see. But first off, it was fun because well, a lot of people don't know that. We're the answer to a, uh, a, a a trivia question that no one ever gives a crap about, which is which are the only two D league, which is the only D league team to have brothers play on the roster at the same time. Uh, the Dazzle. Roanoke Dazzle. That's it. Dazzle. There it is. Now, now the, the Roanoke has the result. I think. <laughs> yeah, defunct. <laughs> we couldn't draw the fans even with brothers. Well, so I know. We I, played... I, it was amazing, and I'd always look at. And you talked to Mike about kind of uh, his chance. He had some tryouts in the NBA and kind, mm-hmm. of, kind, of, kind of readjust himself. And I was coming off having an opportunity with Cleveland. I had summer league and training camp was the, was the last cut there. Mm-hmm. And kind of was going back to D league. Like this is, I just was frustrated with a lot of yeah. things and had the opportunity to play with Kevin, which really made one of my most, I think one of my most memorable years of playing basketball, especially was, was had to be, had to be that season. We got to play together. Amen. That's right. That's it was. It was. Uh, it was awesome because it was my first year out. And the funniest thing was, I remember uh, Jeff was on the phone, and we had I just gone through. Uh, you know, I was at the draft and everything like that, and we went upstairs. We were sharing a room at the hotel, and I saw Jeff on the phone, and I knew he was talking to somebody because it was like one of those one of those like moments in Jerry Maguire where he's like he's like sniffing Maguire's in the room. He's like. <laughs> so I knew I knew he was talking to someone about me, and I was like, "Oh boy, this is this should, this should be good." So he just kind of hung up the phone and was like, "Listen," he's just like, uh, "Dad says hello." <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Listen, you know, we're I think our co- you're going to get drafted by the same team that I play for, but you know, the coach kind of said you really don't have much of a shot, so you just have to you yep. just have to kick butt and." Mm-hmm. It was. I think that was really the did biggest I say, motivation. Did I say it nicer than that? I, I thought. I, I tried to yeah. say it nicer than that. That <laughs> <laughs> was kind of hey. jerkish, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. So you know, you know kind of. It was good because you know he, he kind of said you know we have to go out there and this is this we need to be on the same team so you we really have to work hard and you have to get this going and you know you got a guy you got a seven one guy in Chris Christopherson who. Uh, you know, was standing in my way. Jeff, you know, when, you know, you say you got, you were one of the last cuts with Cleveland and then you go to the D league, like how, for when you're, when you're in the D league, how hard do you, I mean, what kind of motivational factor was that saying, you know, I was one of the last cuts, like I, I can do this. I mean, that, that had to make you work even harder, even, you know, even though you didn't get back, but it just kind of had to drive you. Right. And I think I came in there with a different level of confidence, having spent mm-hmm. a lot of time at the NBA Okay. And um, sad thing is, I actually didn't have the year. I think I had I had the year I'd hoped to have. I had a couple okay. little injuries early in the year. It actually reminded mm-hmm. Chris Christopherson himself ran to me and you know partially tore my MCL during training camp, which kind of 
And in my place, I was like, I can't sit. I got to play. That probably took me a few months to really recover from that. So by the time I started hitting my stride playing, it was second half of the year and never quite happened. And, and there was, that's, that's a small reason. There's a lot of reasons like lack of talent and ability was also a big reason that never happened. But <laughs> it's kind of, no, uh, let's, let, let, let's go with the torn MC. I like the MCL better. Yeah, let's like I like that. to blame things, but let's, let's, let's be honest. And, yeah, I can actually but, but remember that, that's the just, funny that's thing. That's just the thing. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jeff. Go ahead. No, it's with, just with that Kevin is when he, he played real well in training camp and the coach brings me over, he's like, okay. He's like, well, here's the deal. He starts saying, he's like, I'd like you to room with Kevin. I know you want to room with Kevin, but, you know, we have apartments that I really – I can't have this other kid, Chris Robertson, live by himself. I already, you know, a little, little, little crazy. So, I, you know, so unfortunately, he's got, he's got to live with Kevin. But, I mean, do you mind that? And I'm just like, I don't care. He's on the team. We're going to have that. Like, go tell him right now. Like, oh, my God. I was like, I was like let's not worry about where we're room. We ended up hanging out together the whole time anyway. Yeah, so he, was, he was – Coach coming up with, like, a sad face, like, oh, sorry. And I'm just like, damn it, I didn't make the team. He's like, no, you just have to room with Chris. I was like, what? <laughs> that, that, that's just the thing, though, Jeff. We were talking earlier that here you are, an, a very accomplished player with, with a, a very good pedigree. You know, seven I, have foot, feel, I have a feeling this is going to come back to be a shot at me. No, no, it's oh, not. Okay. It's not, it's not <laughs> you know, seven, okay. not, not, not yet. Uh, uh, you know, you're seven foot tall, played a pen, all this stuff. And yet I'll run into guys who are like six foot one who barely played in high school. Go, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm going to play overseas. I mean they I mean they just don't get how hard it is to even play overseas, you know, or or the NBA or the D League or anything like that. I mean I think people just kind of say, you know what, I'm going to go overseas. It's just the numbers, man. Like you say, you tell me there are what 350, 400 Division One basketball teams right now, and uh-huh. you look at most of the guys who even play. You know, the first top eight or nine probably think they have a chance to play outdoors. Now, if it's Duke or, you know, like a big-time school like that, yeah, they probably do. But if it's Penn or, you know, Monmouth or something, mm-hmm. not to take shots at their own schools. But, yeah, you know, it's probably, I mean, it might be one or two or a handful, but it's not going to go that far. It's just, it's just numbers. I mean, there's a lot of teams over there, but there's only so many slots in the NBA and the D-League. And right. you got two slots, two slots for Americans overseas. I mean, that's – you gotta be the, you gotta be one of the best at what you do, just to yeah, get a I mean, chance. And yeah, I mean, probably if you look at like a, a top like a Duke, Kansas, Kentucky teams like that, I mean, there's probably they're, they're they probably go eight deep of guys who can play overseas. I would think, you know, um, mm-hmm. where you look at some smaller schools, you know, like a say like a LaSalle or some you know smaller schools, they probably maybe have one or two guys. So you're right, it does come down ultimately it comes down to the numbers game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, and it's timing too. Right time, right place. Yep. You impress the right guy, mm-hmm. and it really is because it, it's it's a it's an interesting game. How you lay, and sometimes it's I always look at Tony Parker as an example. In the French league, he was a good player, not not anything you would expect to go to the NBA and become this you know transcendent superstar mm-hmm. like he did because the game's different. He's his quickness, his first step. Mm-hmm. was a great asset in the European game, but because you can kind of play zone, you can help defense a little bit, it wasn't as great an asset. His jump mm-hmm. shot was still developing at that point, so it, it was just a shock to a lot of people. He went over here and dominated, and it was kind of like, oh, it's just, you know, it's it's a different game at times, It's and it's just finding the right, uh, the right place. Now, Jeff, am I right in my assumption that uh... – the the M, Mike and I were talking about this earlier that the NBA doesn't have the best players in the in the world in terms of from top to bottom. Absolutely, I think 
And I would say the top two or three superstars are the superstars. LeBron yeah. James is, those guys are well, they're, they're in our own world by themselves. Mm-hmm. You take the, the next eight to ten guys on the NBA roster, usually have like 13 to 15 guys, mm-hmm. they're almost interchangeable. Yeah. Anybody playing overseas or the D League. I mean, just from that perspective, it's just you could just have a good day at the right time to impress somebody or somebody's got a contract and you just can't, you know, the way the guaranteed contracts are, it's hard to cut somebody. Even if you know, well, this guy's better than him, but he's a better 10th man, so what's the difference? We mm-hmm. pay, we'd have to pay this guy's salary anyway if we cut him, so we'll just keep stay with him. Yeah. And it's, I totally agree. And I, I mean, you look at some of these guys, these 18 year olds. And, you know, Jeff and I both played in the D-League, and I love the D-League, and I want it to succeed. But in order for it to succeed, it needs to keep moving forward and become a a transition from college to professional. It can't, and, you know, there's guys that are obviously are good enough to play. You, you look at uh, Anthony – what's his name? Um, I can't – Anthony uh, – Davis. Yeah, Anthony Davis. And mm-hmm. guys like that who can jump in and play right away. But then you get a guy like – uh, Cody Zeller and, and some of these guys who are kind of going to be on the bench, they can't play right away. So send them to the D League, but they won't do that. They kind of want to protect their investment. And I think they're going to start to do that, but th- those roster spots need to go to someone who's playing in Europe who's a better player who can help the team a little more. And I agree, Kel. I would imagine some of these guys and their agents are a little concerned when they send somebody down to the D League because there's so much talent there that, you know, it's – you could send Cody Zeller down there, and, and Kevin Owens, who maybe is great player, is relatively unknown in that world. Could go out and just dominate him, and just like mm-hmm. struggles, and it's like, well, hold on, you know, and this, you know, they say, oh, this guy's a bust. They don't understand that it's that close. The the, the margin is razor thin at that level. Mm-hmm. From uh, from being like I said, it's, and the guys who have dreamed, like I know, had no thought in the D League that I'm going to go up and play an NBA team. I knew that my best scenario was probably be a guy who gets cold minutes and commits a few fouls a game. That would be my best yeah. case scenario in the big leagues. But that's kind of, you know, you just you, knew you what, understood that yeah. going in. That's and the dream. That's all I wanted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would wait that the, towel. I'd whatever you need, water. I'll practice as hard as I can to make <laughs> these guys better. Like, whatever, whatever you need. Exactly. And, you know, that's it's funny. And Jeff and I talk about, you know, the, the the aspiration to kind of be the end of the bench to to have that goal because a lot of you know you have to have realistic goals obviously some people are going to want to be the star but you have to have realistic attainable goals and I think that was one thing that we always wanted to make an NBA roster to be there and to kind of be on the end of the bench get in a few times I mean that's great because who cares hey I'm getting a check my name's in the my name's in the record book so screw well, you a lot of zeros behind that check too the <laughs> difference is, is- as we can test between making, you know, twenty grand a year in the D League and and uh, you know, face around four hundred is a rookie minimum nowadays yeah. in the league. So it's uh As long as there's more zeros As long as there's more zeros at the end of the check that uh at your stat line then you're good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Uh, oh, how the, I'm going to go a little family family business. How'd the barbecue go? I couldn't go because Sarah's parents were in town. So Jeff had a barbecue. Uh, you know, everyone, I'm going to have to say that like everyone got sick. Uh, or you know, your niece and nephews were sick. A couple of our friends oh, had their man. kids were sick. I, I had a feeling it was just because no one to come hang out with us. So it might have <laughs> been that. <laughs> I'm going to freak like, oh, jeez, we got to go to That's what we say. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, uh, well, yeah, we're, we're, we're happy. 
<laughs> nice. Well, we're going to be uh, at the uh, Iron Hill Brewery next Monday night for the Eagles game, so I'm sure I'll see you then. Yeah, I have to come out and see that. Let's awesome. hope it goes over. You guys can keep it down so I can watch the Eagles game. It'll be all right. Yeah. That's, that's right. That's right. Well, thanks, Jeff. Thanks for joining us. No worries, guys. Take care. All right. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Thanks. So, yeah, uh, joined by my brother, Jeff. That's always fun. And Absolutely. It's, 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 it's comfortable. It's like a phone call home. Yeah, relax. You're a little, yeah. little more relaxed. Just a phone call away. 888. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so I mean, a lot, a lot of good stuff tonight, Kev, with the overseas guys and Euro John, and just getting different perspectives of different guys, and you know, so it's amazing how different, some, you know, one guy may look at playing overseas as a, compared to someone else looks at it. You know, some guy mm-hmm. may have a great experience. One guy might say, "I never got paid." The other guy says, "Well, the food was great, and I really liked the, the, my teammates." Um, you know, so it's just, it's just kind of a lot of differences, uh, good and bad. Uh, things that you you've went through and I never had, and I can kind of just uh, live through uh, live through you <laughs> vicariously. That's it. And you're right. I mean, it's, it, there's people who had unbelievable experiences playing overseas, and uh, you know, I had an unbelievable. Play. I would not. I look back at it now, and it's funny because I was talking to my wife. I, I might have mentioned this before. I, I get I forget what I what I say and what I don't say. But the other day, I was like, uh, I woke up and I was just like. I can't believe I wasn't so excited to play in Australia. Like, I can't believe when that phone call came in, I wasn't like, oh, my God, let's go, let's go. I was like, oh, wow, okay. It was because it was, it was scary. I mean, you're you're going off. It's sudden. It's so sudden to, to yeah, say, but, well, I'm flying all the way around the country and leaving everything behind. It's like it's instantaneous. Like, what what the hell just happened? It's like a bomb went off. It's, right. But it's kind of it's kind of like you don't have time to – it's kind of like Jeff said, you don't have time to think about anything or be nervous. You just kind of, all right, there's the call. Let's go. We got to get ready for this. And there's no time to, uh, to worry or be excited. It's kind of just, you just got to get up and go. Huh. That's crazy. You all right over there? When am I ever all right? <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing, living the dream. So yeah, different experiences from different people. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. People have bad experiences. I mean, I, the, Mike Jordan said it best. There's guys that went overseas and were just like, "This sucks. Like the food sucks. The, this is terrible. I'm leaving. Like I'm I'm out. I'm not doing this. Like I'm not." And it's it's a different thing. And here's the thing with the the difference between NBA and uh, playing overseas is when you're overseas, there's no guaranteed contract. So you're living a year to year contract every single time. There's no three-year contracts, four-year contracts. It's like you're playing this year and then you're playing, and there's no guarantee. So that's that's the biggest kicker is they say there's a guaranteed contract, but there's really not because they can get rid of you at every time, any time. And that's what happened to me in Korea. I was playing in Korea for a team called Ulsan Hyundai Mobis Phoebus. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and when I was there, uh, you know, playing – and had a real good preseason, was doing well in the beginning, and they kept on trying to they were they were telling me that I just need to stand under the basket, which is not my game. I wanted to go out and when when they let gave me freedom to do whatever I wanted, they I was I was good. I was scoring twenty something points a game. When they put me in, into a, a tiny little hole and said, Here, this is what you have to do, you have to do this and you can't come out of it. Yeah, it's tough to play like that. It was tough to play like that. So so I had to it was it became a difficult experience when I was playing there because I just couldn't, I couldn't get into that system. Well, so I'm going, I'm trying to adjust and trying to adjust my game to, 
to it and I end up getting hurt. So when I'm hurt, I get hurt and my contract says if I get hurt, I'm owed the remainder of my contract. So I, they're like, no, you, you know, you're, it's okay. It's okay. So they tell me to, they tell me to go get, uh, go get an MRI at home. And when I get an MRI, they're, they're like, we can't give you an MRI here. I was like, well, I'm not leaving until I get something. So they tell me that if the, if I stay, I'm going to have to practice for 24 hours. They're like, if, if you stay, you have to practice. I was like, I can't, my knee, I can't move my knee. So they told me just go home and get an MRI. They did the ticket. They we went over this a time and time again. So I finally get done, and I'm like, you know what? I'm go- I'll just go home. I get the MRI. My agent's like, yeah, just go home and get the MRI. Go home, get the MRI. They see it's like it's torn up, and I'm going to be out for a few months at least. And uh, call them back, send them the MRI, and they never heard of me. They're like, who are you? So yeah. lied and told me so. It's like I have to believe that goes on all all but the time. That's why you can't file a lawsuit because mm-hmm. what can you do? It's their word against yours. Right. I have an MRI saying that that it's I'm hurt, but they say that they sent me home because I I wasn't playing well. So who, they're like, well, he must have hurt himself on the plane or something. Like you yeah, can't prove that right. you got you hurt there because it's in practice. Yeah, yeah. So, hmm. I don't know. It's it's crazy. It's uh. A lot of these stories, and so, you know, right now I try to bring it to court, and they just, they it's the same thing. They just keep saying, no, like, this, we released him because he wasn't playing well. So they just lie, and, and what can you do? I mean, you're, they just lie. I mean, so you get hurt. I had to pay all my medical expenses. I had to pay all, everything, and they still owe me the rest of my contract, which I never get. So it's at least 100000 and my knee still, I my knee still hurts. I mean, yeah. I, I never was able to it play. It would feel better way. with 115 in your bank account, though, uh, right? Your knee would feel a little better. I would buy a new one. <laughs> <laughs> knee replacement. So, yeah, that's uh, it's a little crazy. So who knows? Uh, who knows if it will ever come back but i mean there's a lot of stories like that but you can't let that damper because when i look back on my career i think of the places i've been and being able to travel to australia and new zealand and the friends i've met and the the, the people i've met and the, the connections that i still have with these these guys and the dealy it's just i wouldn't trade the korea situation for any of the other it's it was just it was such a great experience cool very cool um all right yeah we'll probably have some some couple more callers maybe calling in. We'll see. Um, but until until they call in, uh, Tommy Morrison died, Kev. Oh, yeah. In, in Rocky li- Five. In light of Tommy Morrison dying, passing away. This is my forte. What What's your favorite Rocky movie? Don't go into it. Because you guys make yourself just sound so stupid when we talk about what's this. What's your Rocky favorite? Four. That's so idiotic. Yeah, I go Rocky Four too. Why is that idiotic? I go Rocky IV. Worse. Why? What do you go, Rocky? Remember, we had that... Episode. Yeah, we ha- ha- what, what do you and go? And Mr. Rocky... Gambino came on. Oh, yeah. what do you go? One or two? I go one, two, four. See, I go, I go four, three, one. See, me and Mr. Gambino had a twenty-minute conversation about how dumb you are. Why? Like, but but I mean, one is considered one of the best movies ever, according to maybe you and Mr. Gambino. According to anyone who ever has seen movies. Now, hold on. The, the when you look at Rocky, you have to look at the times. If you're looking at Rocky versus a movie like Goodfellas, or, or one of the top movies of all time, it's not close. Right. Rocky Four was good because it it had everything. It had everything. It oh. had Apollo Creed dying. It had it had 
Russia versus the United States that had shirtless lifting and the lifting rod. It was, it was just, it was bad. Great soundtrack. Great soundtrack. He was lifting rocks over his Dude, head. He was a monster in that movie. Dude, Remember when he was he was roided up at that point. Oh, yeah. he's always roided yeah, up. Yeah, no. If you watch one yeah. and two, he wasn't. Oh no, like that. no. But do you know how many? Do you know how many guys go go around shirtless in gyms and stuff just Wait, to be like rocking? You want to hear something hilarious? I do. Well, exp- expend. You guys know the Expendables movies. With all the, like the action heroes, yeah. Sylvester Stallone, Schwarzenegger, Jet Li, mm-hmm. Bruce Willis, Jason Statham. Well, they're coming out with a third one, and Mel Gibson's in this one. And I saw a picture of like all the stars. Actually, you know who's in the Expendables movies? The guy who plays Ivan Drago. He's in the movies too. Oh, really? And Mel Gibson is huge. Looks like a looks like a bodybuilder without a shirt on. Really? I was shocked. I don't know about you guys. I mean, I would. I mean, I know he was in, like, Braveheart and stuff. Right. And he was big in that, but now he's, like, old and he's still huge. Bigger hmm. than he was. Yeah, I, I don't know. I. You know what's funny? Because I was uh, on Facebook. There's a thing that pops up all the time, and it's, like, a picture of The Rock, uh, someone else. and With Jack and Charles Barkley? No, but then it's, like, The Rock, someone else, and then Mel Gibson. And it talks about, like, how strong the – and I think, like, Hugh Jackman and, and Mel Gibson – and I was like, who is that guy on the left with like the receding hairline? And it was Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. He Big is dude. jacked right now. Is he? Yeah. Look it up when you get home on your computer, like Mel Gibson, The Expendables, and you'll see the picture will come up. Oh, look it up right now. How about I just look it up right now? I mean, you expect Sylvester Stallone to be that big, but you don't expect Mel Gibson to look like that. Let's see. I'm looking up right now. Sylvester Stallone has uh, a little help from uh, wow. Dr. Signs. Wow. He's uh, he's he's. He's put together right now, right? Yeah, looks like a linebacker. See, I see. I always look at him kind of in the movie Ransom, like that's you know. I like that movie. Yeah, that's all. That's been on quite a bit, and I I always yeah. watch it. Yeah, he's good, I guess. Didn't he beat his wife? Didn't he like keep beating his wife? No, he was he's a messed up guy. He did like the whole anti-Semitic. No, thing. but he was beating his wife too. He got locked up. Well, he had temper issues. Yeah. Like I don't think he was beating his wife. No. I think that's what got him in trouble, the yeah, voicemails, where he's like, like anti-Semitic thing. Yeah. That was the big that was the big kicker right there. But when you watch Braveheart, you forget all about that. That's a good movie. Braveheart is a good movie. Now, why why when Liam Neeson did Taken... See, I feel like that's he's a good movie. he's more badass. Than, you know, and he didn't need to be all jacked up. He was he's just not, a normal yeah. guy, and he was just not a lot of people can pull that off. Yeah, Bruce Willis isn't that jacked up anymore. No. He can still be pretty badass. That's true. Liam Neeson the, in Taken. I've never. I was that movie was awesome. I was yeah. like, this guy. I didn't is see just, Taken too. I didn't see Taken too either. So dumb. What I, Taken too? Yeah, because it's, it's just unrealistic that would happen again. Absolutely. But Taken one was good. Yeah, there's some guys that don't have to be big that that you can still believe that they're. Yeah, like. I don't know. Like you look at like a De Niro in a movie. Exactly. Like he doesn't have to be big, but I don't. I feel like he's intimidating. Did you ever see those um, Driver Driver movies with Jason Statham? Do you know who Jason Statham is? No. Drive or die or so, something like that. Well, yeah. he's he's not a big dude, but he's like he's tough looking. Jacked. Yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah. I mean, look. I don't. Yeah. I mean, you look at some of these guys. Like some of the. Uh, like you look at some of the ma- mafia bosses throughout history, like they weren't big, to, but you're just like, I mean, they had a lot of power. You know, in The Godfather, right? Scary dude. Scarface. He wasn't yeah. a big dude, but nah, but you're just afraid. Yeah, you're just so afraid of him, right? Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, but they all have guns. I feel like if you're if you have a gun, it just makes you look that much yeah. bigger. Yeah, I guess See, I don't so. like. I'm not. I'm not a fan of guns. 
I'm just going to say it right now. I don't like guns because... I held a gun once. My dad's a big hunter, and I held one of his mm-hmm. guns. It, you just feel... It's intimidating to even hold it. Yeah. I, like, I, just, I, I, I just don't like guns because I feel like there's just too many people out there who use guns as like a... Uh, like to pretend like they're tough. Have you ever have you ever fired a gun? I have. See, I've never I've never even held a gun, like a real gun, you know. Yeah, I I fired a gun, but my thing, you know, there's too many people who have guns, who. Oh. Adam's pointing a Nerf gun at Kevin. That's why he's flinching. I'm like covering my eyes because I was just like, you can hit me. Can't shoot it. In the face. <laughs> but yeah, there's too many people with guns who, who. It's like it's like instant toughness. Like, dude, you're not tough. Why do you like put the gun down and see how tough you are? I just don't like that. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people get a, get them for protection, though. Yeah, but then there's too many people who use them for that protection turns to balls. Well, well, and then... well here, here's the problem: when you, when you buy a gun for protection, you have kids. If you need the gun, you need it right away. So you don't have time to like you can't keep the gun. Unloaded in your night. Adam pulled up a thing on the computer. That was one of the funniest. Hysterical. So Not you, Jesus. Not you, Fashy. Wow. Slide it on back. Um, but uh, yeah, like if you need the gun though, you can't have an unloaded gun in your nightstand and have the bullets in the attic. Like no, really. Like if you need the gun, you need the gun. So you have to have it loaded if you need it for protection. And then the wrong people always get their hand. Like you always hear these stories, like ten year old kid finds gun, shoots yeah. brother in the head. Well, I just, I just feel like, I mean, maybe it will lead to my demise, but I'll just, I'll like, if if someone came in, like you better have a gun. If someone came to to do something, you better have a gun because I'll like, I'll like, I'll poke your eyeballs. It's just like. <laughs> Is that what you do? No, you grab people around the head and then you press into their eyes. You hold on. First off, the well, you're big... seven feet tall. Not everyone. No else one can reach you. Yeah, seriously, you can't get my eyes. But you know, you know who to... the the one thing that they say is when you're in a confrontation, go for someone's eyes because it's the it's the the thing no one wants. It's the most painful thing. Like if you go and just jab and poke them in the eyes like the Three Stooges, like how? you're gonna they're gonna be incapacitated. I'm just gonna walk around. <laughs> You know, you know. How much t- of a wimp would you look though? Like you go up to fight some guy and you're just like, you ready to fight him? <laughs> just like the one finger, like right to the eye. You would at first, and then you just start that, pummeling him that while was he's a, crying. That, that was always the rowdy, rowdy pipe room. He would like twirl his arm around like he was gonna punch you and then poke you with the other eye. I swear to God, I'm not like a crier. Mm-hmm. I was showering the other day. I got I got shampoo. My yeah. I I threw the shampoo down. I jumped out and I just started like screaming. I've never, I've never felt Did anything you like cry? before. Did you I cry? Also, I wear contacts. So uh, I yeah. Behind my contacts Ooh. too. But honestly, though, the eyes like you're only as tough as your eyes and your and and your lower region if you're a guy. Really. Yeah. Like I mean, yeah. I mean, but if you're in a fight, could you imagine poking someone in the eyes and kicking them in the balls? <laughs> like then you would look like a pretty big one. They'd be done. They'd be done though. You'd win. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Game over. Yeah, the thing is, like you watch all like. Like you watch all these, like you watch WWF when you were younger, and you think it's real and that kind of stuff. And then, you, you, then you realize, like, how long is an average? Like, if people get in a fight in a bar, like, what's it, thirty seconds? Yeah, thirty seconds. And that's it uh-huh. before people come over and break, start breaking up. Um, but yeah, the eyes—you don't really think about the eyes. But I guess if you go for the eyes and you can't see what you, you can't hit, what you can't see. Yeah, that's true. 
and, and but I think it's just more like Zach said. I mean, it's when your eyes are very sensitive. So if you like, if you mess with someone's eyes, it's not going to be they. They're going to. Oh, oh. <laughs> By the way, can we talk about Adam Sandler real quick? I'd rather not. I want to hear Zach's no, opinion. No, no, Adam, no, Adam, no, Adam. Um, we kind of live in the same town. Where did you get your haircut? Um, so I don't Ooh, accidentally. I want to have this conversation. Where did you get your haircut? There so I don't go. accidentally go there. Haircut, or great clips, something like that. Great clips. Oh, no, you guys want. Wait, Ooh, seriously, everyone, shut up for a second. Everyone, be quiet. Because <laughs> um, our ex intern E class, Evan Bloom, um, me and him got our haircuts together. <laughs> Michael Allen's on Kings Highway, the best barber shop. No. Morano's Morano's yeah, so and Hansel. No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. Nah, you're wrong. Mir- yeah, Morano's. Yeah. Morano's I mean, is the best. Do you have beer they have beer in your barbershop? They have beer, they have really? Playboys, they have cigars. Where have... where's oh I know what you're talking about. Where where, 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 where King's Yes, I know exactly. Oh, is it on the right talking. side across the street from the playroom? No, it's it's, it's next the to the playroom. It's like the next sh- strip mall next to the playroom. I, I ne- you wouldn't even think it was there. It's like this small little plaza. You know plaza. what? Playboy voted that as like one of the best barbershops in the world. You, great haircut. Really? Great atmosphere. Really? I don't know. Men. I don't know. Our our barbershop where Kevin and I go and have yeah. yeah. maybe, we, maybe we could trade at one point. Morana is, is great because the guys in there are they're younger they're guys young and they're funny. They're funny. You can just BS with them. They, they got beer. the TVs up. They the got the TVs. beer, and it's just a fun. Yeah, it's we like, have a, Michael Hans has a flat screen at every chair, running uh, Sports Center the whole time. I've never heard of this place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a well, small place, but it? you go in. It's really. I'm serious. Go. I'll go to your place. You go to my place, and we'll compare. Where is it? Well, next well next Saturday, ladies and gentlemen. Next Saturday, yep. Yeah, we'll give Morano's a plug. We'll give Morano's a plug. Uh, stop on down to Morano's. Uh, it's on Kings. It's on Kings Highway in uh, Haddonfield, New Jersey. And uh, check one them out. One year anniversary. One big year party. anniversary. They're having a big party Saturday night. Mike and I will be there. Kegs, attending. kegs, food, uh-huh. all kinds of uh, drinks, and yeah, it'll be a good time. We went to the grand opening. It was a good time. Yeah, they're 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 great guys. They they're really funny. Uh, so yeah, and George is my neighbor. And George so. is your neighbor. So yeah. So we'll be we'll be over there, and uh, also another another little plug. Next week we will be at the Iron Hill Brewery in Voorhees, New Jersey. Get there around six o'clock. Uh, we're we're still debating now that the game. You know what's funny? I mean, you see, you hear they're playing on Monday Night Football, so you just assume it's at like eight thirty nine o'clock. And the game's at seven o five. It's kickoff. So we're just planning on starting at seven o'clock. Why, why don't we just go seven to seven o five? We'll give our picks and get off. <laughs> that should be a good show. So we're going to be there. I think we're going to start up around six, and we're just going to go maybe an hour, maybe two hours. We'll just see how, play it by year. But we'll be there over, be over there at six o'clock at uh, Iron Hill Brewery in Borges Town Center. Come out there, check us out next week. We'll be going live, and uh, it should be a fun time. So uh, get on over there. They have the Chip Kelly Burger. Uh, give them a follow at Iron Hill Iron Hill Voorhees. Uh, on Twitter and uh, yeah, check them out. So, what's it? What is the Chip Kelly Burger? Uh, I I have my email. Hold on. I I did say it. I just thought you knew it offhand. No, it's uh, what is it? I, well, I saw a burger on TV. It was over three hundred pounds. The Man, world's biggest food? burger. Man. No, he didn't eat it. It was this restaurant that specializes in big food, and they were challenged to make the world's biggest cheeseburger. And how big was it? Ridiculous. Three hundred pounds. Like, the actual meat is like bigger than that. Yeah, it's, it's like the size of a small building. It's, it's insane. They they cut it up and then put it in separate sandwiches for people. How do you eat it? Oh, really? Yeah, and people just shared it. 
20 pounds of cheese, like 20 pounds of bacon, and then the rest just meat. Oh, there was lettuce, tomato, and the rest was just meat. Awesome. All right, we we got to hear the Chip Kelly burger. Uh, let's see. Chip Kelly burger is uh, features Oregon blue cheese. Of course. Nod to Kelly's previous gig as head coach of the Ducks, uh, as well as red onion, uh, crushed potato chips, and mushroom spread. It will be available through through lunch and dinner on uh, September what is it September eighth and ninth at the uh, all ten Iron Hill locations. But uh, check out Iron Hill Voorhees. Uh, next week we'll be going live there. Come on out, watch the Eagles game with us. It should be a good time. Drink some good beer. Uh, Philadelphia in the news again for the wrong reasons. Shocking. Did you see, did you see the two men, uh, Philadelphia men who were arrested uh, for trying for sneaking into Wrigley Field? At like two a.m. to steal ivy. Really? Yeah. Um, I, I'm guessing. I mean, they're from Philly, and the Phillies were in town, so I'm guessing they were Phillies fans. But that's they, it's like another. It's not, cops it's, arrest Wrigley trespassers. It's like another stupid thing where people are going to be like, Philly fans are so stupid. But really, like I know a lot of people who snuck into college or college arenas and stuff like that when they were visiting colleges. And you know, ran around in the field at midnight and stuff like that. I mean, you see, you hear it all the time. Just because, well, they're all from Philly too, but I'm sure <laughs> it happens all over the world. Uh, remember the remember the game? I think it was the White Sox game where the father and son jumped out and beat up the first base coach. Yeah, that gets glossed over like it was nothing. Yeah. If if we throw a battery at JD Drew, it's the biggest story that's ever happened. The guy got killed. Didn't the guy? Did he? Get, I don't know if he got killed. The guy at Dodger Stadium, the Giants fan who beat up the Dodger guy. Yeah. Remember a story yeah. a couple years ago. He died. He didn't die. He didn't die, but he was in a coma for like months. Um, and I, someone got killed after an Oakland Raiders game one time. A fan in the parking lot. Uh, but but if Philly does something stupid, we guy gets tasered for running on the field. It's like uh, headline news. There you go. Yeah, turn your mic. You ever see the? uh, I don't know, really. I don't know if it was like. I think it was real sports. uh, And they were talking about like fans getting so into sports that they like they start fighting uh, the referees. No, like uh, just other uh, fans. Other fans. Well, well, that's weird. Weird. Go ahead. All right. And they were outside of like Patrick Gino's one time, and it was Flyers versus. I don't even know who yeah. was. And, like, these two guys, someone got on video, and they, like, beat the guy so bad, the guy ended up in a coma. Well, it's funny because, yeah, I remember. Just take it so far. But, like, that's the thing. I mean, we were talking overseas basketball, and a lot of guys had those those stories that, that with crazy things happening. I mean, we were playing, when I was in Kosovo, and I feel like it's a lot in that in the in the Balkans, in, like, the Serbias, the Kosovo, Croatia, uh, Greece. Uh, Turkey, like it's in those areas that it happens a lot in. But when I was in Kosovo, we were playing in the cup final and we were winning by about 10. So all the, all the Peja fans started walking out. And when they did, uh, they had to stop and we actually had to be escorted off the, off the floor. And the, the riot gear guys had shields all around us and we had to cuddle into a corner of the, of the gym and with the guys all with shields around us because they didn't want us all walking across the court. And when we walked back on the court, I mean, there was they ripped out, they were breaking the windows and throwing glass, and then they were ripping the the wood seats and just throwing them onto the court. Yeah. So it's just it's just too crazy. But on the second hand, Kev, 
if you're a Giants or a Cowboys fan, like don't go to don't go to the Link or Veteran Stadium uh-huh. with your shirt and like taunt people. Yeah, like you're just asking for trouble. That's true. Like if you want to wear your shirt or whatever, just wear don't your be jersey. A jerk. Yeah. Don't be a jerk. Like, you know, if, if your team scores, clap. Don't turn around to Eagles fans and start going, oh, you know, and, and start throwing it in their face. Like, yeah. you're asking for trouble. Because I've, dr- I've walked through the stadium before, and there's been guys with a Mets jersey on, and there's guys with a Mets jersey on, and everyone's like, boo, and he's yeah, kind of yeah, laughing yeah, yeah, and just yeah, like, huh. Yeah. And right. you, you, you kind of like are smart just, about yeah. it. Don't be like, oh, exactly. F you, and start doing stuff. And like, that's, that, that's the, when you're going to get hurt. That's the thing. Like, the, those guys just start chattering back and just being dude you're outnumbered just like laugh and be like i know i'm I'm a jerk but i'm a mets fan like you should and phillies fans don't they don't beat you up for being a just a no. mets fan it's just when you're arrogant and obnoxious that's when uh kev i can't help to notice the shirt you're wearing tonight are you are you a big flyers fan oh i knew that i knew i have that shirt. i knew that mike was coming on by the way let's talk about something real quick let's do it my birthday was yesterday uh-huh wow. uh, my dad two tickets to 11 flyers games nice Great guy. Probably the ultimate birthday present. That's awesome. What game? What games? Do you get any good games? I have, you guys, oh, I, I'll read them off. Ultimate birthday present. Did they get sixty-five dollars from you guys? I don't think so. <laughs> Did that get I got a preseason game. Oh, wait, it wasn't real money. Now. All right, I'm not talking. I'm not talking or anything. Opening night against Toronto. Win. Pittsburgh. Loss. Ottawa. Loss. Montreal. Win. Minnesota. Shootout. Detroit. Colorado. New Jersey, Chicago, and Columbus. That's awesome. Oh, there's some nice games in there. That is some. You do have the Pittsburgh games awesome. That's pretty cool yeah, to go well, the to. Red, the Red Wings, the Blackhawks. You have some decent games in Montreal, there. Montreal, Danny B coming back for the Oof. first time. So what's what's the uh, what's the consensus with the Flyers this year? I mean, preseason-wise, what, how are they looking? I've read a lot of different things. Worked. Goalie issues. Would be shocked if we didn't make the playoffs. I think. Really? Yeah. So you're kind of the eighth, you know, fighting for that eight, no, seven, eight seed. Like four, four, five. But why? Okay. Why is the Phil? Uh, so is the Flyers? They always have goaltending problems. It's because like, we make bonehead moves like trading away Bobrovsky, and then the next season he wins the Vezina. Yeah, but you were on board with trading away him. Uh, no, I wasn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, if you could tell me Bobrovsky's first name, then Sergey. Sergey. Yeah, I, did I? Did I know? I, know. <laughs> I met him like two days before he got traded. Really? At the rave movie theater. Really? He speaks zero English. What movie was he seeing? I uh, I asked him, and he didn't speak any English. So he looked at his girlfriend, and his girlfriend said something to him in Russian, and he goes, "The Avengers." Was she hot? But he was wearing the uh, jeans where he rolled them up to, like, his knees. Oh, yeah. But no. you could tell, like, in Russia, that was, like, normal. Yeah. Like, he didn't think it was out of the ordinary. So he was pretty cool with it. He thought he was, he was uh... Yeah, I was wearing a flyer shirt at the time, and he looked at me. I was like, is that? Because like, you look... goalies. You don't recognize goalies. Yeah, that's you, true. Yeah, you looked at him like... Like, why are you looking Sergey, at and then he looked at you like... Friedman? <laughs> that's exactly how it went. Zach? Right? Zach? Is that Zeke? you? No, he called me Zeke. Zeke, is that Zeke? you? When is you, that you from the matchup saying, zone? You keep saying Sergey. I keep thinking of uh, Tom Cruise from uh, the Mission Impossible when he says Sergey. You know what I'm about? I've never seen a single uh, Mission Impossible. I've never seen Mission oh, no, Impossible. Right. And well, obviously, Mike. Obviously, yeah. I've seen all of them. I was talking to you. <laughs> no, I'm <too>. kidding. <laughs> By the way. See, I think you're Sergey. I think Fedorov. By the way, real quick. Have you That's seen from the movie. Have you seen The Great Outdoors? John Candy? Yeah. No. Yeah. Who else is in that? Bill? It's Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. I it, love Dan Aykroyd. It was on TV today, and I was laughing hysterically. It's it, just, dude, you know what's been John on? John Candy, dude. Air, he was Uncle awesome. Buck. Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck was great. Uncle Buck's funny. Airplane's been on. Have you ever seen HBO. Airplane? Oh. I mean, dude, that, I mean, it's so a total. one-liners. Oh, it's a totally different act altogether. 
Certainly, it's not. I mean, I mean, it's just hysterical. It's hysterical. so true. All right, thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, show brought to you tonight by Foam Pack, supplier of all Graco products. Just a phone call away, 888-458-2928. Also, integrated play. If you're an athlete looking to transition into a career in the United States for our overseas players, uh, contact Renee Shell two six nine seven six zero three eight five seven. She'll get you all set up. Uh, we'd like to thank all our guests tonight. Um, for calling in, talking to us about overseas basketball is a great discussion. I know uh, Reggie Costa uh, playing in Japan currently. We've been kind of talking back and forth, uh, having a little trouble with the connection and trying to get in. So we're going to bring him on uh, next week. We'll try to figure out the connection and talk a little bit. And he, he's also a local guy, so he'll talk a little. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Eagles with him too. So we'll get him uh, all set up. Uh, th- thanks again to our interns Zach and Adam for doing just a terrific job as always. Uh, we will see you guys again next week. Just a reminder, we will be at Iron Hill Brewery in Voorhees, New Jersey. So come on out and check us out. Uh, check us out. Watch the Eagles game. Eat a Chip Kelly burger. Iron Hill Brewery in Voorhees, New Jersey. That's it for us tonight. We'll see you until next week. I got a million ways to get it. Uh-huh. Shoes one. Bring it back. Bring it back. Now double your money and make it stack. I'm on to the next one. On to the next one.